0: Hi, and welcome to Sweetman Podcast. This is Simon Sweetman, and this is episode 48. Brought to you, as always, by Phantom Bill Stickers, and uh, we get to sample some Yeasty Boys, which we did on this occasion, this particular episode, and we also get some um, we get some LaFare coffee, which on some of the other occasions of the daytime recordings, we, we have a bit of a cup of that. So thanks to those guys, too. Um, this one is... Um, tell you right up front this is a a conversation with one of my brother-in-laws so um, anyone who's listened all the way back to about I think episode 12 I talked with a brother-in-law Rhys and uh, now I'm talking to another brother-in-law this is James Robinson Um, so I'll give a shout out to Jill she's probably the only person that's listened to both those episodes uh, or will listen to both of them Um, James is uh, a writer so um, he he had a blog on stuff around the same time that I did um, and his was called Voyages in America and um, so he lives in America now Um, And while he was over there, he started this blog. Um, He's married to an American woman. We talked through all of this sort of stuff. I mean, obviously, I know his history, but um, what I tried to do was talk about his sort of writing history. And I think hopefully this is pretty interesting for people outside of the family, as well as the family members that'll be tuning in. Um, So he's done a bunch of freelance writing. and We talked to some. He interviewed some big names in America. Did some entertainment journalism, some political journalism, sort of all sorts of stuff. And as had this blog going and then he turned that into a book and you can still you can still go to the website and buy the book and find it in bookstores it's called voyages in america it's got um, some of the blogs and then it's got some sort of contextual essays that um, you know fleshed it out turned it into a book Um, so we talk about all of those sorts of things that he's done and then we get quite heavy into politics towards the end and and talk donald trump Um, this was recorded last year it was recorded just after the election so he was president elect and um, it wasn't you know we hadn't had the inauguration we're not quite in the in the zone we're in now but we're sort of predicting the the awfulness that's going to come over the next wee while and so it gets a bit doom and gloom towards the end probably and um, I probably talk a bit too much in it um, because he's my younger brother-in-law and I can push him around and uh, hey it's called Sweetman Podcast I'm allowed to talk as much as I want frankly Um, and uh, you know if you're still listening. Thank you. So um, I I, I did shut up enough in the early um, part of the podcast to let James get a few words in and he's got a few very wise words. So um, I hope you enjoy listening to this. This is me talking to my brother-in-law. His name is James Robinson. He's a uh, you know a fantastic writer. He has been a fantastic writer. Hopefully he goes on to write more things He's very very good as a as a, as a freelance journalist as I say he's covered a bunch of things from music journalism politics entertainment and uh, Yeah, um, this is us just catching up when he was back in New Zealand. So uh, here we go Because because the whole thing with doing these sorts of conversations is uh, You know you'll never quite repeat them yeah. Hopefully. That's the sort of idea. And so that yeah. only works if you actually capture it. <laughs> you know, like if you don't.
1: It will be, yep. well, I've
0: never had this happen, but it would be awful to say to someone, that didn't actually work, can you come back?
1: Yeah, because uh, the spontaneity's gone.
0: I was talking about it with, with someone I interviewed the other day who was an actress, and she said, uh, if you got an actor, they'd probably be pretty good at which is a really good point. She's like, if you have got an actor, they'd probably be pretty good at recreating actors are good like that like they'd probably be able to sell you that same amount of emotional investment in things and i thought that's very true but when you just get someone else talking and yeah. then you talk for a, an hour or so and then you say to them Shit, that didn't work you come back it's just you're never gonna quite yeah. capture those things that you that you got
1: yeah that's kind of bonkers
0: <laughs> <laughs> because it's that i always think about that thing you i mean I think you you first alerted it, uh me to it is that the Chuck Klosterman article about interviewing and how fucking crazy interviews are, how the like it's yeah. quite a good essay of his. And I sort of I've referenced that a few times, so I think you you'd probably it's a, read it before I had.
1: It's a pretty weird, like, social compact that's yeah. like not very interesting or like fluid. Yeah, <laughs> or like it's, really it's, awkward. It's, it's not
0: a real yeah. relationship but but you have to try and
1: yeah, it's like this that there's that. like a um, it's like a forced social situation yeah. that doesn't really make sense yeah. you've been put on the phone with somebody or I always find that I've always found it much easier to like interview somebody that's not notable mm. or like someone who's very like I like, like s- I'm doing now. <laughs> 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 noticed you're like in comfort, <laughs> but like having like i could be interviewing a celebrity and i, yeah. I will feel like just shot with nerves and yeah. it, like ruins my day and all i can think about is like getting to the other side of that or i could be sitting with somebody who's really a, like a I've interviewed, like, scientists or, like, tech people or, like, a CEO or someone that doesn't have that, like, cachet Yeah, doesn't have that aura Who's who's not totally used to it and I'm completely relaxed and fine Because
0: you think, oh, well, they're like me Like, they're they're a a normal person Yeah When actually what they might be... um, The master of is something really quite extraordinary. When you're talking about tech people and scientists and stuff, they're actually, you know, like... (laughs) Totally. Super brains compared to us fucking dunces, but...
1: Yeah, and it's like, I can't actually break down what...
0: Well, it's it's just that weird aura of celebrity. It's that idea that when you've talked to someone that someone else has heard of... You are It's that six degrees of separation type yeah. thing. Like, do you, have you ever had... You must have had people... When you've interviewed uh, musicians and actors and stuff, you must have had people say... Well, first of all, what were they like? Yeah. And then on top of that, they're like... They almost get to that point of like, so are you going to hang out now? Like, you know, will yeah. you, did you exchange details? Will you speak to them again? Like, yeah. you get sort of versions of that, eh? Like,
1: yeah, and it's crazy, and it's so... Um, and just through having... Like, a, a window into that when, you know, for a very... Sh- like, a year-plus doing, like, film writing for The Chronicle in San Francisco. Yeah. Having... Interviewing, like, Robert Redford and Kate Blanchett and Billy mm. Crystal and, like, having these experiences where you're interviewing these, like, amazingly famous people. Mm. But at the, at the same time, it's kind of like you're saying about the, the actor being good at it. Yeah. They have such a... It's hard to even put it into words, but they... Are very open and engaged, and mm. they're giving you like everything they have for the question that you're answering. Mm. But it's there's something that's so inherently not. Yeah, it's like they have they've carved off like forty percent of their personality. Yeah, and they're playing. A, they're like they're gonna playing offer a role. Yeah, you you.
0: bits of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Maybe you'll get the whole forty percent. <laughs> Maybe you won't even get that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, and so it's just, and it, it's very. um
0: but I think a little bit of research goes a long way. Like, I, you know, my, when I'm feeling worried about an interview now, I go, I actually go, it's all, maybe awful for the person who did it, but I go to YouTube and watch that clip of that American film student who oh, turn, yeah. turns up to interview John Cousin and goes, so this is crazy because uh, here I am now, we were just watching American Beauty. And, and, he, and he goes, I'm not in that. And she argues with him, you know, you aren't you (laughs) yes you are and he's like I'm not in that and you can just see he's never going to give her anything more than like very basic stuff after that because and she's just had a because that's a very weird one because she's actually claimed to have watched a film or talked about a film that she's seen maybe she hadn't watched it uh, you know she'd watched it a while ago but the conversation she'd had in her class around there had made her sure that yep. he was in it. And I, that cheers me up. Like, I take I take it to, I think, well, I've never quite done that. Like, I've, I've had my version of that. We've all had interviews that don't go quite the way you want them to. And sometimes, you're more at fault and, and at other times, you can be quite sure that it's the, the person on the other end that was...
1: Yeah. I just have imposter syndrome, I think, all the time yeah. in interviews of just like, you never want to get caught out
0: Yeah. Of. oh totally I, I mean I, I've had that a lot too and I've uh, I should I think I should have got caught out more often than I have and, and I've talked to some musicians that you know I've got no real business talking to them
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> I've done some real you know I guess as I say a little bit of research could go a long enough way you know. Yep. I, I, earlier this year I talked to like one of the dudes from Air Supply <laughs> and I'm like I don't like this band I'm probably not going to do anything with this um I don't know what you know I don't imagine he's going to be really interesting to be honest yeah. like, and he wasn't you know yeah. it's just real by rote stuff and I was able to do it and have a conversation with him but you know I, whether rightly or wrongly I found him to be quite a you know a soulless like multimillionaire. like, yeah. like you, know, was, he, you know he wasn't really uh, you know he had all these cliched answers about yeah. being in it for the fans and all of this sort of stuff which you know maybe he was but I just kind of like as we were having the conversation I was like why am I doing this this is the wrong thing
1: to do <laughs> it was quite hard to like humanise a person and like, exactly. like when I interviewed Robert Redford I interviewed him for 12 minutes and like a, a publicist yeah. like like you get rung by a person who like puts you on hold who like puts you over there and you can almost like hear this like sterile like conference room like conference call like mm, mm. thing
0: the weirdest because these, these are in person interviews you're talking about too yeah like, so in some, like, cases, yeah, that in that some cases yeah in some cases like
1: Billy Crystal I like, yeah. interviewed in person and like he
0: and he was what plugging Monsters University yeah he was like
1: yeah. the Monsters University sequel and yeah. like he like had a cold I went to shake his hand and he was like I'm Don't, sorry yeah. I, I got a cold and we were like sitting in like the Pixar Studios Theatre yeah like a couple seats apart and like he had he was like, this is my 81st interview of the week. Yeah. Of the weekend. And like that's, and it's, then it's like amazing sign of like a performer that like, yeah, I don't think anybody can appreciate how horrible. That must be be, to
0: turn up and do that side of it. Yeah. Like
1: 81. Yeah. And like, I can't remember the questions I answered, but I, I, I I remember trying to like ask him like different things about like, you, but, that, I mean, it's, it's got to be, like, remarkably soul-destroying. The the first
0: time I had that kind of, not imposter thing, but the first time I really felt quite panicked by a situation uh, doing a face-to-face one, and it was quite an odd one, was when, when they first brought the pro wrestling to New Zealand, I interviewed... Um, the guy Batista who was the world champion at the time but also Shane McMahon who's the son (laughs) of Vince McMahon and you know he was and it was I didn't know I was going to be interviewing them both together I thought I'd have 10 or 15 minutes with each they gave me like 20-25 minutes but with the two of them so it was this very weird like conference room in a hotel championship belt sitting there on display (laughs) that I was supposed to be in awe of which I just wasn't I just was going this is fucking comical I'm doing this because I grew up, I, yeah, and I was like, I I grew up watching wrestling, and I'm kind of like enjoying watching it again, and it's kind of funny to think that I'm actually talking to some of these people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had a, you know, I can't lie, I had an interest in it, but it was purely like selfish and and amusing. I wasn't, yeah. you know, I didn't think it was real, you know, like. <laughs> but um, Shane McMahon's eyes were on me the whole time, and he was analysing every single question as I was giving it you could I could I just felt he was looking at me like is this guy a believer like is this guy you know when's the yeah. like he was waiting yeah. for the whole like he was waiting for what he's probably had a whole lifetime of yeah. but he was waiting for the you know it's not real right Yeah, type angle from yeah. me so that he could really crush that <laughs> you know like um and I found that really difficult to deal yeah. with. I found that really intense. The other guy, Batista, who's gone on to make some pretty shitty action films and yeah. whatever, and, and, yeah. and was never a good wrestler, but was a big name. He he was a cold. He was yeah. a pretty cool down to earth guy. Yeah. Considering he was making like <laughs> millions of dollars, and when he stood up at the end and shook my hand, my entire hand disappeared for a moment. He was so huge. You know, he was a he was a good dude, but this other guy was just. It was like. It was like he he was both the interview subject and the pushy, publicist and yep. the difficult manager all in one.
1: Yeah, that's funny. I
0: that was hard.
1: Yeah, I interviewed Guillermo del Toro. Forgive the pronunciation. Yeah. went on that like a Pacific Rim junket, and I was like, I want to talk to him about monster movies. Yeah. Because it's like it's kind of a crappy. It sounds yeah. crappy. It's like monsters, but but it all comes from this love of like monster films and mm. Godzilla and mm. like I just remember asking like two or three questions mm. <laughs> about this and just being like struck with the panic that like mm. I have no grounding or appreciation of anything yeah. of which this guy has made like this amazing career and building off that and just being like almost like not being able to listen to his questions Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, like yeah, totally. oh, oh god like what how but- how did he ever feel like I would
0: but you recognise, and I think you must have recognised this. Like when you know you talking about Billy Crystal doing eighty one interviews in a, in a in a few in a short stretch, about the same thing pretty much. You know you talk to these people and not everyone they talk to is going to be even slightly prepared is going to really know what you know their backstory and like I remember being genuinely nervous talking to Jeff Beck because I was such a fan yeah. and then um, halfway through I get to just sort of say to him you know man let's talk about Blow by Blow because that's a really important album to me and he's like great and he gets into it because I guess he could tell that I was enough of a fan without yeah. being like a mouth-breathing sort of weirdo. Yeah. And then he said at some point, um, I said I, I said something to him about, did he like being interviewed? Which I've always found is quite a good, not icebreaker, but like it's a good question to ask somewhere in it. Yeah. Like you really get to kind of connect with people over that because some of them will be honest and say that they don't like it. Um, but he he sort of said like, you 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 know you know you've obviously followed my career. It's very clear for me to hear, and so it's nice talking to you because you know about the stuff. Yeah. I I have to talk to some people who haven't really heard of me, and that's pretty insulting when a guy's been performing for <laughs> fifty years. But but I can imagine him touring the states or England or you know wherever, and and maybe even some of the New Zealand interviews he got, and it's just handed to a person at a desk. Yeah who is just
1: this
0: told has to who, who's just told right you're going to be interviewing Jeff Beck uh, he's quite a famous guitarist you know google him and ring this number
2: yep. and
0: those people are going okay I'm going to talk to this guy for 10 minutes then I'm going to write 800 words Yeah. fine hopefully he tells me everything and whatever he doesn't tell me I'll google afterwards and, <laughs> and you know because it is just a perfunctory situation yeah. for them it is just a job and so those people that say to you after you do an interview what were they like they can't get their head around it that some journalists are just like after that. It's just as important to them to go off and talk to someone from the city council about the water shortage <laughs> yeah. because that's also part of their job for the day. You know. Yeah,
1: the what the what were they like thing kind of blows my mind because it, mm. it's like it wasn't, it, it's the most it's not like, real. Yeah, 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 it's like oh my god, you spoke to Robert Redford. Yeah. What, like what was you that like and it's like you didn't make yeah. a fly of the wall doctor. Yeah, you, like, you he, had a
0: few minutes with him about a product yeah, he a, was a the, project he was, he was literally pushing.
1: the only actor in a movie and had no choice mm. but to do press so like he gave me 12 minutes yeah. <laughs> of his time and like that's yeah that that like that is nuts okay. to me and like I think like just when you're saying like what w- would they like being interviewed it's like sometimes I think like would yeah. Would you would you like that and like I think about um I interviewed Gary Oldman for when he was doing Planet of the Apes right after I forgot the exact controversy he like defended Mel Gibson on the Tonight oh, Show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's right. My editor was like, "You have to ask him about that." Yeah. And like That's tough. I was like, "I don't want <laughs> oh, to or- ask <laughs> to do that." Yeah, yeah. I don't want to ask bet. Gary Oldman what he really thinks yeah. about Mel Gibson's like anti-semitism yeah <laughs> and then I, I was feeling sick about it and like, <laughs> visualing, like visualizing it mm. and then the publicist when she took me into like it was like a hotel room restaurant she sat me down and she's like if you ask about The Tonight Show Gary will like they always say like first name like Gary will walk from the yeah. thing and I was wow. like okay I'm not yeah <laughs> So you didn't? Yeah, you just, yeah. I didn't. I didn't ask him. But like, you didn't like,
0: think, oh, that's got to be the last question for a minute, or did you just go, nah, I'm just not? See,
1: that's there. funny. I in, in my head, I was like, I'm just gonna get this out of the
0: way. First. <laughs> no, that's not. That's not how you do it. It's <laughs> not. That's Maybe not that's how that, why
1: I work in public <laughs> relations.
0: It's not how that goes.
1: <laughs> but uh, but just thinking, like, would I like? I I don't think. I think it would be tough. Just in that thing of. I think a lot of people especially who aren't so engaged with the person Mm. would come at it from like what's the thing i can kind of chip away here or what's what's the what's the broken piece i can kind of go at, rather than like fan appreciation of like what
0: i always think when you're talking to to people that are pushing a product if you can get them away if you can get all the things you need about that that's going to satiate the I guess the editor yep. you know the person that's commissioned the piece and, and the audience to a degree obviously if you can get all of that and then get them off topic yep. about all the other things like I think like my, my probably my proudest moment of an interview I did was talking to Rykoda because yep. that scared the fuck out of me because I just thought <laughs> I'm such a fan and probably the old guy yep. and all he wanted to do in his other interviews was talk kind of mildly crackpot conspiracy theories about politics because he'd done this album at the time. You know, he was very pro... 2012, he was very anti Mitt Romney and yeah. Republicans and pro-Obama and that worked out kind of fine and everything, but he was very, very anti-big business and very... all. He, I'd read several interviews where all he did was talk politics. But, so he did that. And then I managed to get him talking about, like, next thing he's talking about, all these sessions he did when he was 19 or 20. You know, he, he I, I knew some of this stuff, but I got to hear him comment on working with Captain Beefheart. And yeah. um, he uh, drops um, someone, uh, I think it's Jackie DeShannon, he's doing a session with her, and she asks him to drop her off at a house in Hollywood. And they get up to the house and he sees this giant Cadillac and he goes, oh, who lives there? And she's like, oh, uh, Elvis Presley. And he's like, can I come in? And she's like, no. And so, you know, and he has these, just these cool stories of like, he's like, I was 20 years old and I dropped to at Elvis's and I wanted to go in, but I wasn't allowed. And he just had these really cool stories. And then obviously, Beauty Vista Social Club, movie soundtracks, all his albums, right? And yeah. once you'd sort of like, I guess, pick that scab or whatever, I don't know what yeah. it is, it was just odd and he he relaxed and he got really into talking about all this stuff Yeah, he got really reflective and I was I was sort of revisiting that interview and recently and just going man that could have been a fucking nightmare so yeah. like that was cool you know that was really cool yeah.
1: I remember inter- uh, interviewing Daniel Radcliffe the Harry Potter yeah. guy and just kind of in that same line of like real mo- like it's very hard to like within this set frame to th- mm. feel like having a real moment or like mm. a good yarn and just kind of getting him open like opening up about Harry Potter and like just the concept of like he had kind of peaked at mm. like 21 and like how really like some people see it as this thing of like he will nothing he will do will live yeah, up we'll to reach this, that. This, yeah, yeah. this thing and him just being more really like I totally know that nothing like, if I was just, every time I was going out to bat, was, like, screaming yeah. for the fences and after another franchise, I'd be miserable. But really, it's, just a, it's this amazing freedom that mm. I could not I've, do... I've yeah.
0: earned my yeah. status to yeah. so whatever level. Like, I'll, I'll always be able to find work yeah. because of that work. Yeah,
1: yeah. if I want to show my cock on Broadway, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like and But just kind of feeling like a real... In that moment, I'm mm. sure he's talked about that hundreds of times in interviews, but like really being like,
2: yeah.
1: I'm kind of like, I'm feeling what this guy's talking about yeah. and I, I get this person, I understand this is like, feels like genuine. Yeah, Those moments are always like...
0: So now we're going to go back and talk about uh, why I'm even talking to you <laughs> about, in, in A, in general and... Be about interviews, and but really, what we're going to do is try and trace how you ended up in America and how you ended up in America, talking to all of these people you've named and a few others. So the elephant in the room that I will have addressed in the intro of this podcast is you're my brother in law. Yeah. So I've known you for I'm fucking stuck with you, and I and I, I've known you for quite some time, and and I'm sure vice versa. Since, since I
1: was fourteen.
0: Yeah. So I. And I obviously know your family, so I know a bit about. So I'm not going to ask everything about your childhood or anything like that. But um, and I just want to know how you sort of came to um, to journalism, I guess, yeah. and to writing in general, and and uh, what sort of steps were involved for you, and what what how did you first connect with that?
1: Um, I kind of just. So I was Victoria University. Had always had, you know, when you're a child, you have images of being creative, but then you have to kind <laughs> yeah, of work yeah. out like what How you're. To do what it is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I had a guitar in sixth and seventh form, yeah, but yeah. I was never practiced. Was terrible. Kind of had images of like maybe I'd be a filmmaker or, yeah. or something.
0: Like, liked music, liked films. Yeah, would have minded doing Ticked that. Ticked all the boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read
1: probably more books than yeah. most people my age, and just wandered into the salient student magazine office in quarter of the way through my first year of university reviewed an an album i think i the first album i reviewed was like a weezer album and i used like crunchy six times yeah. and like yeah. one one record and then got sent to review hey fuck
0: if they could repeat themselves <laughs> the amount they have over their career you can repeat yeah. what it. <laughs> that's fine
1: and then I got sent to review a couple of concerts I can remember the music editor that year was Pitt Brown who was the oh yeah. from Tulane Blacktop and I guess lady hawk <laughs> that <your> <laughs> lady hawk is is the word, um.
0: so she was the music editor yeah so oh, she was she was, mu- she was yeah, the she was a music cool.
1: editor and she i got like a plus one mm. on the door for a two lane blacktop datsun show to review it and like it was just i was like this is pretty <laughs> this is pretty cool yeah i mean that was, yeah that was about it um, yeah I can remember being at that Datsun show and getting hit on the back of the head by the, the bass guitar and thinking this was, like, just a fun yeah, yeah. a thing. Of course, like, no money or anything. Or, yeah, but
0: yeah. but uh, you'd seen All Most Famous.
1: Yeah. So you're like, this, yeah, is, this, is, this is
0: kind of the yeah. shitty Kiwi version of that. <laughs> this is as good as it gets. Yeah.
1: But I, I always still, like, first starting reviewing music, I hated being the person, like, talking to the... The band, it was always like a, um, I was never kind of good at that. Right. Um, but then kind of ascended to music editor and then edited Salient for a year and then kind of just didn't really. It's sort of, you're kind of in like a no man's land after editing something like Salient where you have a lot of experience. (laughs) experience.
0: You've taught yourself some skills on the fly, I would imagine. Like there's not, I mean, you've got a little bit of support, but not really, right? The main support is other writers that you're calling on that know about as much as you.
1: Yeah, totally. It's experience, but no skills. Yeah. I always think, you know, at Salient, you get the, because I was a feature writer and then editor and, and you get the freedom to write 3456000 <laughs> stories. Yeah. yeah. And it's like when I go back and read them it's just like watching myself imitate yes. 10 different people across yeah. the stories. And some of them are quite good. And there's little flourishes where it's like that's that's pretty good. And I remember mum always used to say when she would read them be like I just wished you'd swear a little less yeah and just at the time being like you don't you don't get it you
0: that's don't know like, that's the, I'm, this is my voice and yeah, now you're like, like yeah that's yeah, a really good point yeah <laughs> like, you don't
1: know cool yeah yeah <laughs> and now when I read them I'm like
0: you had a really good point I'm like yeah I, this <laughs> I is really yeah, yeah, yeah
1: this is really but cruel.
0: again like, I guess you know now like people people well for a long time people's first experiences being published in any way is going to be online yep. probably by themselves yep. uh, you know, through their own through their own platform or social media even but that struck, strikes me as like I mean I had a little bit of involvement with with Saline over the years doing different things never in a, a full role but you had the best of both worlds there where you've got an audience that you've kind of got to serve but you could also play with a little bit of um, indulgence which is what you're saying like yeah. you wrote some blog articles and it, it only just occurred to me when I was describing to you that wrestling interview that you actually published <laughs> um, the wrestling piece yeah. that, that, that those interviews came from and I did some others and I did this giant wrestling piece which was fun to do and um, and you published that in Salient and I think it was about 4,000 words or something which is fucking insane yep. I remember sending it to a mate of mine who was a journalist and saying what do you think and he goes it's long <laughs> and, and I was like you're right but that's not really the answer I'm looking for because I was quite proud of it and then I said anything else and he wrote back and said it's really long <laughs> and I was like Fuck, and you know, and if I read that back now, I'd be like, he's spot on. Like it is way too long, but you know, at least it had a few different interviews components to it. It wasn't just one person. Totally. You know, but yeah, so you had that 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 um, indulgence aspect where you could really start to what you're trying to do is try and find a voice, right? Like
1: yeah, totally, and it, I mean that's so much fun, and in a way, it's you're never gonna get back to that level of. Yeah, freedom. It's almost like um, not that I knew this at the time, but when you like read a bit more about like Lester Bangs or like yeah, yeah. Cream and the idea of that you can just like, yeah. e- and not that anything was like on that level at all, but like nothing really exists mm. like that in the mm. media where you just have this like sixty-four pages and a budget and a weekly audience and you don't yeah. have to make any money and and like that freedom to just.
0: So I don't think we've we've talked about this before, but so you didn't actually have like key writers that were driving you towards journalism and stuff. Like you were reading all sorts of things as a kid, but you were probably probably predominantly reading fiction, and if you were reading nonfiction, it was probably like sports memoirs and bios and stuff, and a, maybe a little bit of music stuff.
1: I always wish there was like a cool like, answer yeah, yeah, to yeah. that because it feels like such a, <laughs> like, a cool thing to be like, wow, I yeah. just read. Mm. The great gatsby at mm. 14 and i just knew um <laughs> yeah. i no i mean no i mean i read like i read a lot
2: yeah
1: i always got obsessed with stories i can love like the david bain story as like an 11 year old or like mm. john Grisham books or sports memoirs or like always read a lot of memoirs mm. but I guess more than anything it was just like wanting a creative output Yeah, yeah, <laughs> more than yeah. anything else and probably as just a way to like differentiate myself from people and probably like kind of a snobby
2: mm, mm. way
1: of just like wanting to be like mm, mm. like a quick way to be noticed Or yeah yeah
0: yeah so you do say that and you obviously do your degree yeah and then what happens like you
1: well nothing yeah <laughs> which is like which is the, the problem and like salient was really good in that it like editing salient it obviously like instills like a really huge like work ethic and and mm. you i mean as you can attest to you gotta it, turn up right yeah that's it's like thing. you got to turn up there's like, like 20 yeah,
0: there, there is an actual deadline yeah. and there is an actual audience that's going to notice when yeah. it doesn't yeah
1: and there's a production shift and you yeah. get to work at 8 30 on thursday mornings and you finish it like five o'clock and multiple times like i you finish at 6 o'clock every Friday morning after working for 24 hours yeah. <laughs> and it's like it was pretty like shattering thing and it kind of puffs up your ego a little bit mm. and I had a like a job lined up working for a computer magazine <laughs> really? like Freeman Media yeah I'm not even sure if it still exists that's not and like probably if it's any <laughs> this is New Zealand so. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so probably not and I, unless, I like...
0: Unless they found their own unique sort of voice in the world of clickbait, they won't be a thing.
1: And I had the... I had the, like... I'd done the interview, I'd done a trial. I, like, pretty much had a job offer. And I was like, I... You know, like, yeah. before you find... When you find yourself not wanting to get a job. <laughs> yeah. Like that. And then I thought I would freelance. I got an assignment to go to WOMAD. I like had two pieces for the, I had two assignments to go to WOMED, one for the Sunday Star Times and one for the listener. The Sunday Star Times changed like 60% of my piece and ran it under no byline. Yeah. And then my WOMAD review in the list got bumped for a piece on presidential dog breeders. <laughs> 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 Which was just always like... Uh, yeah, it was welcome like to one, freedom yeah, <laughs> It was like one guy had come out... No, I think it was one presidential dog breeder who had bred dogs from Jimmy Carter to Bill Clinton in the White House. He was kind of like the go-to.
0: I wrote a piece about... Um, interviewed a guy from the barbecue factory in Petoni about the latest models of barbecues that were gonna be it was one of my it wasn't quite my first published piece of the newspaper, but it was about the second. And to this day I still I still don't know if if it was a good thing or not that my name wasn't attached to it. Like I remember at the time going Well, you know the payment you know the payment you know publishing is the payment and my name should be on it rubber and then they gave me a very very small but at the time very meaningful check for uh, the work so then I was like oh fuck it my name does not need to be on this at all but like yeah i know that yeah I know that it's, pain. it's
1: like i had a miserable few months uh freelancing right after salient i like there was some like funding misappropriation at at uh, the Victoria University Wellington Students Association, and so I pitched a story on that to the Sunday Star Times. It got canned and ripped up, and then I, yeah. I was—I remember sending a very vitriolic like email mm. to the editor of the Sunday Star Times, being like, "Yeah, how dare you? Have you
0: me. <laughs> You've ripped out a part of my soul."
1: <laughs> and then sent
0: those as well. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then I travelled for. 12, 13 months, got back at the start of 2008, had no juice in, in the job market. Went, was working, worked some time at Media Monitors, worked yeah. for um, uh, MC McNamara yeah. <laughs> as a very miserable research analyst, <laughs> Yeah, and was it kind of moved away a little bit from journalism, but all, these are still
0: journalism-related yeah, jobs, kind yeah, journalism, of they? Like
1: adjacent and still your like,
0: CV at that point is journalism, and that's what's got you those jobs. Yeah, and yeah,
1: and then still like doing stuff for like the Lumia Reader. Yeah, I, re- I mean, a really good part that get the ball rolling again was the start of Werewolf. Which, oh yeah, that's right. no, it's yeah, still yeah, yeah. going with um, Grant Campbell and Gordon Campbell. Gordon. <laughs>
0: You, you don't live here so you're allowed to make these mistakes
1: <laughs> who I was just about to like <laughs> apologies to Gordon um, that I yeah at the time in my head I was like mm. that doesn't so, um, that's not right yeah um, but I met him probably at the end of 2009 and that was really cool of like yeah. a chance I remember writing a couple of really cool features I did a piece on like the decline of like Christianity among young people in in um, New Zealand and like that Mm. was just a chance to like write a cool story yeah 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 yeah. and then that kind of got of your own
0: sort of picture yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. rather than like when you're doing I mean the Lumiere was was cool and a chance to like get to gigs but it was more like I'm going to do this thing for like a free concert and a chance to like have a byline yeah um but ended up going because obviously my backstory, my wife who I met while I was traveling is American and she'd been living over in uh, New Zealand for a couple of years and, you Mm. know, thinking about how to move back, but, you Mm. know, it's like probably something that a lot of people in, like, uh, international relationships, it's like, how Mm. how can we live in the same place and not get married (laughs) right now? Mm. Um, That, you know, going back to study and... I'd always kind of wanted to do a master's in journalism um, as a chance to maybe move back, you know, towards journalism, maybe just because it was, like, pleasing to my ego a little bit. Um, And so ended up in Boston University, um, which was really, which was, like, really great. It was a chance... Like, you know, people are very, like, split on journalism school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, it's not... um, I don't think that what I learned in journalism school, I could have not, no one could have learned or that it's really an either or. It was just like a 16-month intensive of just like where all you had to do was just read writers and learn the written word and like have a lot of that, like really it was like that self-indulgence I picked up through Salient Mm -hmm. for like, what do you think? Like, was really useful because you're learning the courage to write in your Mm. own voice Mm. and then going to like doing a master's and then having someone like pick that apart and almost like break it down to a point where you're like i don't even know if i can write because it's like you're like i remember using like a an adjective in one of my leads for like a news writing assignment <laughs> my professor like circling it and like taking <laughs> yeah. taking a letter off my grade it was like this is just like I used the word uplifting yeah. in a in a lead and being like this is trash <laughs> like,
0: yeah so you're not writing for the TV guide here <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah this
1: is like I feel insulted yeah. but uh but kind of finding that like confidence you kind of build a at like some something like a salient and then matching that with like her real strict skill set and objectivity. And so these just
0: these are already kind of worrying times for journalism when you're yeah. doing this, which is why I remember thinking, Why are you fucking doing this? But but then I thought, Well, actually your approach is certainly better than say mine, which is to like kind of like you know, continue to try and work in a in a in a, in a field that's falling apart as I'm trying to do it. Um, and, and, and me possibly burning bridges as I go as well. But you you know, you you've sort of gone for that all or nothing thing of I'm gonna go for the all and I'm gonna actually learn the the proper way to do it, the old skills and I'm also in a place where, you know, in theory we're all pretty down on American media right now but actually like there are more opportunities it does still exist there are some amazing publications and some amazing writers and some amazing pieces that come out of there
1: totally and I would say there's a couple of bits in that that like kind of resonate pretty strongly with me like the first is like the sheer like looking back on it now and I, I mean I talk about this with people Mm. i went through my master's school with like one of of a very good friend of mine in america she she's still writing and working on a book but has had kids and isn't working in journalism and like Mm. some sometimes we're like what like how much arrogance do you have to have to be like not only am i gonna get a journalism degree i'm gonna spend like 60 granted yeah 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 and like granted that was like some scholarships, some working some yeah. saving some parental help like that was really like kind of all hands in the towel yeah 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 but like that kind of seems nuts to me of like knowing out the end of it that yeah and people who from that who I know who are doing well in journalism are working in like small town America or yeah. like you know, small town Texas, Cape Cod, like that. So, I mean, there's obviously people who are really dedicated to still, but that, I mean, in America, at least it's a little bit different here. There's very much a ladder of like, you go to like a small metropolitan, mm. you like work your way up. Mm. And when I thought about doing that, I just thought like that, um, that like ladder is like disappearing. <laughs> like if I go to a small town you know obviously like apparently seven steps above that is the new york times yeah, <laughs> but yeah. what's the chance that in like when i'm 45 like my new york times shot is going to be there or that four steps up the ladder it's not all gonna yeah mount so it's pretty hard to have confidence in that um but also i mean you there are is a lot of amazing yeah opportunity and just through being in america I obviously got a lot of freelancing opportunity mm, <laughs> and I remember mm. just being blown away. a freelancing to New Zealand and being blown away that like really all I had to do to be appealing to these editors who just like, I don't care that you were like a salient editor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's does, does that's it mean anything. Yeah. 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 That well, all of a sudden like, Oh yeah, you're in America. And like, yeah. I went to a, like uh, Obama speech at the midterms, and like just emailing someone and being like, "I went mean, to this thing. Is that interesting?" And being yeah. like, "Yeah, we'll take fifteen hundred words on that." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so the thing you do around this time, and it is is um maybe when you're still at school, and then certainly after, but well when you're still at school, is you you picture you keep pitching yourself though to things back in New Zealand as well yeah. which which I sort of think is admirable and really smart because um, anyone trying to write needs to get whatever you know place they can to write and but also like you came from New Zealand you grew up here like you did do some work here and you have those experiences plus you're based in America and maybe some things come up yeah. over there that you can sell to New Zealand as well as yeah or instead of selling to America so you start working
1: in both fields right totally and I mean I I, I like I really played like successful New Zealanders in yeah, America yeah. card pretty hard to this point where if like <laughs> just the thought of doing that like makes me feel a little yeah, bit yeah. like oh god like Thank one god more god
0: they didn't check references
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> like you know um for a magazine like Idealog, which I assume is, twirling, yeah, yeah, um, you know, covering New Zealand entrepreneurs and New Zealand businesses that that were doing well, I did um, like uh, New Zealanders in Silicon Valley story. I did a New Zealand restaurateurs in New York, yeah. <laughs> like packaging them up. I uh, you know I covered like Taika Waititi's, you know. Boy, um, release boy release yeah, in yeah, yeah. Uh, New York and just really <laughs> looking for those yeah little just anything holes that, like those little things that could stick yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And I will say and it, it's funny like there's such a formula to the stories but yes. people like lap them up. Well,
0: New Zealand loves a good you know we love a good international success story, yep. don't we? And then then we can then you get this. You know, I was talking to Nadia Reed about this, She's she experienced this first hand with her, you know, she self-releases an album, it just sits around, a few people tell her it's nice, then she gets a call and uh, the Spunk label decide to release it, and then it gets like a rave review and pitchfork in a couple of other places, and then every person in New Zealand, every music journalist, you know, just falls over themselves about it, and I have yeah. th- I was part of that gang too. Of course, I did. Yeah. Like uh, to me, like it wasn't so much about the international success, but beyond the fact that reading those reviews is what got me to notice it. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Like I can honestly say it wasn't. Oh, I'd better follow suit and yeah. say this is great too. But it, it's amazing that that's what got her noticed in her home country. Was, yeah, <laughs> was big. You know, deemed worthy overseas, and we love that story. We
1: love. I I yeah. remember uh, when I did when I was writing about Taika Waititi and Boy mm. and kind of like anything getting this, I was actually in New York on, an, on another thing and kind of realizing there was a screening and he was going to be there and kind of emailing around and Facebooking and not really not really like having feeling like I had a good story but just going along to the screening and he was doing a and a and getting kind of a Kiwi boy in the wild interacting with, yeah. with the Americans who loved him and realizing that, I ended up getting an interview with Tiger at the end and pumping some of that in. But the story was fine without this because yeah. the editors just loved that. Yeah, like, yeah,
0: yeah. That narrative it, was, is yeah there. it was just that, like people place. just like
1: yeah. big screen, small town New Zealand Americans lapping it up. It's like that was yeah. that's like catnip.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, ref- refresh me on this. Uh, also around this time, you start writing this blog yep. for stuff called Voyages in America, which which I guess at a very basic level, I have some hand in, like yep. I think I recommended you to yeah. the guy and I you know I, I we talked about it and we we talked about the concept of it and um, and that gets off the ground.
1: Yeah, so that was so
0: that just remind me you you're definitely in America when that starts. Yeah,
1: no, so that was yeah kind of first post was July 4 Independence Day 2011 I kind of thought about doing it before I left for America and yeah I mean at that point I'm not I mean I can't remember how many blogs were on stuff but it felt like it was I mean I've been going like four or five years there there, there was a few
0: well I started at the end of Oh
1: seven. Yeah, and you were one
0: of the first. The first. Yeah, I guess so. They they existed before me, but like maybe not too many. And then there was a massive glut of them all of a sudden. Yeah,
1: and some. I felt felt like there was some were just like some flash in the pan ones.
0: Yeah, well, there were. They would get like people in the newsroom to sort of like you know everyone would. I guess it's that thing. It It became that new for like blogs had already existed and the mainstream media was in New Zealand anyway was kind of slow to get on board with them but then it became that new way of pitching things so you get someone in the newsroom go. I just I just started a garden in the weekend and you know I love it so I'd like to I'd like to do a gardening blog and they'd be like okay and that person would write like nine <laughs> nine or ten posts over three weeks about fucking gardening and it was dull and you know no no disrespect to the people who write regular gardening columns cause, because 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 these people were hobbyists who didn't know what they're fucking talking about but actual gardeners who also have a writing skill have been able to write about gardening for for years and keep columns going and keep whole magazines going. So these people couldn't, or they're an amateur enthusiast cook, you know, or whatever, and they'd try something, or they were deciding they were going off the grid because they had chickens in their backyard. Well, they weren't really going off the grid. They were just making their own fucking eggs. But suddenly that became a blog for a couple of weeks. So, yeah, there were a few of those.
1: Yeah, and I just remember, um, obviously, just knowing you and blog on the tracks and seeing the like the big following that got and we would talk about it and thinking like well i'm going to be moving to america mm. i was going to do a master's i didn't know when i was coming back so i thought like that's yeah. potentially an interesting hook for yeah. a blog mm. it kind of just i don't really think i'd like thought it out yeah <laughs> that yeah, yeah. much at Oh, and I, I talked to Nick Barnett, who's running the blogs thing at the time, and he, um, we did a couple of trial blogs that didn't go ahead, and then when I, I was back for a holiday, kind of, I think, May 2011, and that, I think a bunch of people just had quit, and so that got off the ground. It's probably like anything, it's a mixture yeah. of luck and persistence and timing, yeah. and, and, and anything. And so that. Um, got off the ground. I think it was it was pretty random and esoteric idea.
2: Yeah, do you think
0: I'm trying to remember do you think it I mean I think in the end when it debuted it was certainly very good timing in terms of it was probably the, the absolute peak of people's interest in blogs on stuff. Yeah. And so you had that but it feels to me like you know, in a relative sense, it kind of hit the ground running. Like, yeah, is that your...
1: Well, no, totally. And I think, think like, to what you were saying about some of those flash-in-the-pan blogs is that, like, at that point, I'd done Salient, I'd written, I was at journalism school. I had, like, a work ethic and a drive to write and interest, and I could, you know, see stories, and I kind of knew the format. And part of it was like... You say well, you're I, gonna do three times a week. You do three times a week. Yeah, re- I think regular. I said the
0: same thing to you as I said to Jeremy Taylor, who who debuted yeah. his omnivore, uh, food and cooking, you know, blog, basically an overall food blog, around the same time, and 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 was doing it three times a week. You know, I mean, remember sort of saying the same thing: just just fucking turn up and do it, and it'll it'll find an audience. Yeah. you know, just do it, and it'll find its groove. And I think both of those blogs kind of took off and went really well and and they probably lasted a, a similar amount of time roughly
1: we got cut on the same day oh I think, it was okay. and I think he, yeah. I mean, he might have started he might have started at the same time he yeah. might have started a little same, bit yeah, after me
0: yeah, yeah yeah but they were uh, you know uh, yeah you're just going to turn up and do this shit yeah. and if it, if you don't and I think so those hobbyist sort of nobody blogs that fell away and those little special interest topics that were only around to me they are a really good like how not to yeah you know they're basically like a don't do this yeah don't go in with like i look back at the first well 100 blogs that i wrote but i look back at the first like three or four and they are so not just unassuming but completely underwhelming you yeah. know how did this thing ever yeah become a thing like and that's not that's not any sort of false modesty or, yeah. or whatever or anything like that. It's just a fact. Like, they are so prosaic and safe and utterly meaningless. But that's because you're dealing with a giant fucking topic that you're yeah. going to bite off in chunks over a period of time, as yeah. as was the case with you. I mean, you're dealing yeah. with... Them and, and you had a lot of scope with the America topic because you... Totally. You have your... What you bring to it as an outsider, then you yeah. kind of become... An insider, kind of, yeah. you know, and then and so you have that and that whole, you 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 spend a lot of time trying to work out. I think like just exactly what your voice is. As are you celebrating America as a tourist? Are you analyzing America as someone that's? sort of understood it and idolised it in some sense but now it lives yeah. there or are you a Kiwi still visiting it you know are you reporting back are you reporting to and then somehow you managed to kind of do little bits of all of those things
1: no totally it's like just you were talking that's interesting to think about um, in some ways it's hard to access the answer to that because it's like I've been in America six years so I've kind yeah. of like escaped a little bit yeah. from that but so much of it it was just being and and the idea of being an outsider like yeah i was so much more nostalgic for like new zealand then i'm still a little bit nostalgic but it was kind of sort of sums up my feeling on the blog a little bit mm. you would you get naturalized around the people you see every day when when yeah. you're a migrant and then you take one step out of that and you have a you say one word to a new person and they're just like mm. where are you from like yeah, yeah, and that yeah. thing of just like kind of being there but not being there and also like the idolization yeah. thing of like for some reason like I oh, I can't even trace the root of it I always just wanted to go to America you know I mean, well
0: it's a pretty exciting place I mean it's the and I think for anyone like for anyone that's interested in in significant Moments and motive, you know, uh, motivations and motifs within pop culture. It is arguably the place to check out. I mean, it is the absolute home of stand up comedy, for example. Yeah. And then you have Hollywood, which people will tell you, well, you know, like whatever, you can, you can follow all sorts of schools of European or Japanese yep. film or whatever else, sure, of course you can. But Hollywood is still a beacon for so many people because yep. it's generally our first it's like film experience. That's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's also our first film experience. And it's our first real connection with celebrity for whatever yeah. that means or is worth. And then of course there's the music. You oh. know, and, and and the literature and T V and whatever else.
1: Yeah, I remember you know my first time in America being twenty, nineteen. That's probably a little bit before my twentieth birthday. I went to see Neil Young, the Beastie Boys, Ryan Adams, and the Pixies in like four nights in a mm. row. Mm. Like movies come that's out like, sooner there. There's like
0: three arts festivals yeah, here. Yeah. You know, like yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, no, If totally. you're fucking
0: lucky, and just know? being like, yeah.
1: this is, and like, I, I, I could have seen. Prince on the first night of that, yeah. but w- got budget <laughs> yes Yeah, and just like thinking, but it is that kind of thing of like movies come out sooner. There's so much, so many gigs here. This is yeah. hyped up. You're close there. It was two thousand four election, being like so, and I'm still kind of I think at that point carrying, this is six seven years down the line, but carrying some of that like mm. this is amazing. Like mm. seeing saw Barack Obama speak and James yeah. Taylor play beforehand That's and right. just like <laughs> Yeah. Shit like that you don't really get exposure to. So
0: you end up kind of covering the two thousand and twelve election quite Yeah, kind of you know, through the blog yeah. and
1: stuff, don't you like? Piecemeal kind of blog stuff. Mm. And like I think the same reason that I would end up covering stuff like that is that I think the same reason why the blog had legs or successful, because people are just yeah, I, I mean that same interest I described before. People are just interested mm. in America. Mm. It's a country that has yeah, absolutely. A, even even people are like, America sucks. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. The you know people love sort of saying only in America and all this sort of stuff, but it's quite a meaningless yeah. kind of phrase to throw out there. And another one that's just about uh, worse for me is this idea that America doesn't get irony, doesn't do irony, doesn't understand satire because I think like, well, fuck, Woody Allen, <laughs> Randy Newman, you know the yeah. <laughs> you know, um and yeah, its finest moments, yeah. the you know Rock,
1: all, yeah.
0: All manner <laughs> yeah. of things. So many exactly like and you can just go on and on from there. It's it's sort of uh, ridiculous and profoundly untrue, you know. Like
1: yeah, I mean the thing I always say about America that I don't feel like has ever got less true is that like America has eighty times the people and it has eighty times the idiots. Yeah, <laughs> like like we're just we're just well, lucky we that these, like
0: we get these news stories that invariably come from Texas or Florida. Yeah, you know, like Florida man you know yeah. always does something really silly yeah. you know and we think that Florida man and cliche grumpy guy in New York are tight and, yeah. and they are about as tight as undiscovered person in New Zealand and yeah. grumpy guy in New York Yeah, know? like they're not connected at all
1: yeah and I think that I mean that was a fun thing to explore a little bit through the blog of yeah. like Independence Day in small town Montana or like driving yeah. through town or like because
0: you've done a bit of travel around the you know yeah. there's obviously it's obviously a huge um, land mass to, to negotiate and there's several pockets that you've not touched but you've, you've, you've done yeah, a bit
1: of I mean, travel I've, I've done like a, I feel like I've done a fair oh, enough yeah. job I mean it's.
0: <laughs> you've been to a lot of the significant places too you know like yeah. key states key yeah, landmarks I've
1: been you know both coasts New England you know. East Coast um, West Coast Utah went to Park City for Sundance for a while been to Las Vegas a bunch yeah. of times into Texas Nashville but I don't know and it, not to skip here that's something we can get back to I think now more than ever with everything that's happened mm. you're like I don't fucking know this country mm, mm, <laughs> like mm. and it's, mm. it's very like yeah, I mean, even there are bubbles within bubble.
0: Okay, so, well, let's get towards that. So, you're doing the blog, and are you, what are you doing workwise in America at the time after you graduate? You're doing, you're doing so, some of this freelance work. So,
1: like, I just, I worked as a... Freelancer, and I mean, it's something that I'm really proud of, is, like, I survived 18 months as a self-sufficient oh, yeah. freelance journalist. Yeah. And, I mean, that's one thing that, like...
0: And didn't just survive. You you not only, like, um, paid the rent, made money, you know, yeah. like, actually made bank, but you also had these experiences, like uh, interviewing Adam
1: West, yeah. <laughs> you know. Which, I was going to bring that up before, yeah. I still getting a number to call Adam West and it going one ring to a fax machine yeah, and then emailing his publicist mm. and then being like what's going on yeah. and then Adam West ringing me back and, and apologising <laughs> he's like probably shouldn't have my home phone as a fax machine <laughs> <laughs> and mm. I mean that, that was yeah so at the time I also had like a brief sideline writing like investigative crime stories.
0: Yeah.
1: I wrote about the Craigslist killer in mm. Boston which it's a small glimmer that might have been a book for a time but didn't happen and wrote about a you know New England innocence case and covered a a San Francisco guy went to jail incorrectly for 20 years and so you know, working on... With the idea of, like, maybe that would blow into something. but Yeah, yeah. Only only so many times you can get paid 1500 bucks for six months' work. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're like, this isn't going to be... And, like, working for the San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah, covering... Is, yeah, covering film, features. Yeah. Yeah. And then doing just, like, straight comms stuff. Of, yeah. I'd say that my workload was, like, 70% journalism. Yeah. 30% comms. Yeah. My the money I was making was like 60% 40% journalism and so that
0: oh look I think every freelance journalist has some sort of money gig that is not quite not quite journalism but requires some of those skills yeah I always I always worked full time like people always ask me about what I do and, and how I've done it and why I've done it and you know, most of what I've done is complete hobbyist stuff. I've never hidden from that. And really, the last few years, the not hiding from that, but the thing that has allowed me to um, not be fixated with paychecks has been that I've been the primary carer for, yep. for Oscar. You know, I've yeah. been at home looking after him. And I've been able to generate some income occasionally yeah. <laughs> um, through what I do outside of that and also yeah. I can you know like I can find moments to do writing yeah yeah, yeah.
1: so no totally and I mean even like the first eight months of the, the year and a half first six to eight months of that I was, we were living like rent free with my wife's aunt so it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. everybody needs a, it's yeah and it's it's terrifying how hard it is to yeah. to just without an inheritance or mm. I mean so much of that style but of journalism one, now is backed by yes uh, one assessment.
0: really one really ugly facet of that that appears to have um, originated in america and seems to be making its way here is the is the um, unpaid internship and yeah. and all of that sort of um false kind of paying jews bullshit yeah uh, yeah. That seems to be more prominent here now, and that 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 seems to have travelled across from there. Yeah, I
1: mean, it, maybe the term exists here. I'm not sure, but trust fund journalism, mm. A, mm. a little bit of mm. of like, I, I loved writing, you know, long form, <laughs> four yeah. or five thousand word stories. Yeah, I knew I could publish whatever I wanted in alt weeklies in America, which have suffered a little bit. But the idea of like each city having like a really interesting well-funded like Mm. independent journalism Mm. magazine um but you 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 can't do that you can't dedicate that much work for that little money and so i then you know as i think you know it was sort of like the like the red wedding of the stuff blog side of just one day eight blogs just like disappeared off off the page. I mean, so all of this is going on and I'm working on sort of different side alleys and kind of cobbling together a good living through New Zealand features, film features, the blog. I'm getting paid for the blog at this point, which kind of feels like winning the lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you put in a lot of work on those things before you get, I was the same, you get, and then like, s you're not making a lot but once you've got your uh <coughs> technique down to totally to meet your deadline, there are a lot of worse things you could be doing for less. You yeah. know, it's, and it's, it's it's a nice uh, it's it's not at all a nice earner, but it's it's a nice component to an income. Totally and yeah, free,
1: and you'll know this like, I mean freelancing is so patchy and you're chasing up yeah. bills the whole time it comes yeah. in so clumpy that to know that you're gonna get a hundred eighty yeah. bucks in the yeah in the in the bank each week. But yeah. Then one, one day, pretty much out of nowhere,
0: you get an email or a call.
1: Yeah. Well, email. Yeah, I mean.
0: yeah, 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 yeah. No, one, no one calls in journalism. <laughs> they call when they want a story. When yeah. they no longer want a story, they email. That's yeah. how it works. Two yeah. Two line. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Two line email. Yeah. This thanks, is your thanks last but day. no thanks. Yeah. And then I mean I still, and I, I totally understand that it's not, it's not uh, prosperous times in New Zealand journalism. So. Yeah. I've got nothing against being canned a little bit like three years of reliable yeah service and
0: a following of whatever yeah. sorts yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. and then
1: um I was a little bit miffed at just the whole mm. eight blogs being canned on the same day mm. no warning to the readers mm. and then just like and because it's just obviously I still thinking think it was still posting them so mm. he's he's they all go up kind of at independent times Mm -hmm. of day and Mm -hmm. just people are checking back through the day for new blogs going up and it's like oh that blog's ending that book and i remember my blog going up last and people just being like (laughs) yeah it was such yeah i'm sure like in the context of the scheme of things it's not a big thing but it was just like
0: no no totally that stuff always uh and you know I always sort of think with these publications that they don't uh, and and websites and and, and I guess radio stations and stuff I always sort of feel like they owe it a bit more to their audience to explain these decisions because they, you know, like maybe in the scheme of things you don't matter, like maybe, you know maybe fucking 2% of staff traffic is reading the blogs and 98% is reading, is waiting for a Kardashian story. Yeah. Sure. But that two percent on a, you know, it's still it's still an yeah. amount, and it's an amount that we're turning in, just for that, and it's an amount that you, and whoever else, whatever other writers, are helping to foster. You've created totally. a Facebook page which they're yeah. trading on, but they're not offering yeah. you anything for that. Yeah. But they expect you to tow a sort of line around how you operate that as a complete and utter free plug for them
1: yeah you know but they'll
0: dine on that but then they won't do the courtesy of saying we're no longer providing this and you know you could contact this writer here or or whatever or this you know yeah they won't ever do that which i think is really cold
1: totally yeah
0: i think i think they could do better pr for themselves if they if they announce that but new zealand's got that small mentality of we'll just bury it we'll just We'll just bear it and move on. We'll keep driving, bear it you know, and, move on. and it's hopefully... Still, it's still yeah, ho- out there. <laughs> it's still out there. It's still searchable, and that person might turn up somewhere else, but we'll just keep driving, and yeah. hopefully, look, here, shiny picture of <laughs> blah, 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 look at this, you know? Like, it's just yeah. bullshit art of distraction. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Liv Tyler fell yeah. His, his, Yeah. Yeah, it's, mm. it's a little bit bonkers. Yeah. I mean, also, it's just something, like, you there is a thing of like they're benefiting from yeah. your know, free labour yeah. but then it's like I was really proud of the fact that like I was writing something that f- I think you know my high month and I was always at the middle of the the leaderboard but like mm. 60,000 people would read on a on a big month I think it was my biggest month yeah. and f- 45 was probably my average and like yeah. that's to Me, that was pretty cool, well, and like yeah, having like huge, yeah, mean, like having 1700 Facebook followers uh, and like yeah, in exactly. a, a community and everything. And just this
0: stuff is significant. I mean, it's it, 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 it's uh, you know, they tell you that anyone could go and do stuff these days and get a following, but unless they do something bonkers or outrageous they're writing for fucking nobody. They're yeah. writing for friends and family only, you know? No, like, totally.
1: And people don't really have the patience to talk nah. to people in their voice and yeah. be authentic. And
0: So, when do you get the idea that Voyages in America is sort of, unre- not, un- not unfinished, well, unresolved. You want to, you, you decide you're going to put it into a book. Yeah. And you, um, and you do this and you basically collate the best of the blogs, it's like a greatest hits, but you create some new content to go with it, you sort of put it into themes and you write intros and segueing pieces and you, and you create this idea for it as a book, and then you need to fund that, so you get out the kickstarter funding, um, but when does that all come about, is that a pretty immediate response?
1: I had the idea, probably, like, self-delusionally, like, hoping that one day you're going to get an yeah, email yeah. out of nowhere of someone being, like...
0: Yeah, hey, we've been reading your blog yeah. and we'd really like to turn yeah. it into a book. Yeah, yeah, This yeah.
1: is just... Love. Yeah. love your voice, man. Love your <laughs> voice.
0: Because <laughs> I, ta- I always say this to people, like... Um, every writer does, I think, I honestly believe every person who's writing some sort of journalism or some sort of whatever, serialized fiction, whatever it is, I don't think every single blogger in the world, but every person who writes something of some detail that goes out, does I think imagine one yeah. day, because it, because by, by, by nature of it, every writer is hopefully a, a reader. Right. Totally. so they have their bookshelves in their house or their office or whatever and they have or, or their Kindle that is well stocked or whatever and they think that it'd be cool to have their name represented yeah. in that at some point I think, I think that's a really honest thing that people should probably be a bit more open about oh totally
1: a and as a, as a brief tangent I mean I mentioned before I, I did a story about the Craigslist yeah. killer in Boston and I got an email out of nowhere one day from a book agent who was just like i read the story i love it this has a book all over it I want to take you out to lunch wow and just,
0: See, i remember that i knew you were working on that at one point but i didn't actually quite realize that that's how it came about yeah. so
1: that's exciting and, so
0: in my head yeah, like you would have been like Fuck. Yeah.
1: yeah and like i was probably how 20- can you go i was 27 yeah <laughs> and like there's like a part of it's kind of a really awkward thing for me to think back on because it's like I remember going down and being like to this lunch and then thinking like like my my like Mm. go to free lunch move is like steak and fries and being like no I've got to order something cultured and getting like a chicken salad and a water and like and then like signing a deal with this guy and like developing a (laughs) book proposal and in my head but, like, when I
0: got that... And I'm like, Crazy you... ideas for the funny next book. It's yeah. a series of anecdotes <laughs> or a, a freewheeling novel.
1: Yeah, and, like... That, like Road and, trip diary. And he... he and, but when I got that... And so the project went nowhere past a proposal and mm. you realise that these book agents have a million writers with a million proposals going. Yeah. And, like... And that's
0: how they operate. And that's... Yeah,
1: I cost them probably three free lunches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but part of me, when I got the email was the bigger part of me is like really excited Mm. there was a part of me that was like oh of course Mm. that was a great story
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's a really important ego part of writing isn't it is like well of course they fished me out over that one like I nailed it like people do think like that crush
1: that story yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. (laughs) that's good people do think like that and And they seldom admit it I think
1: and I think that's a like it's a huge ego part of writing Mm. Of people thinking what I think about this matters, yeah. And so I'm going to put my byline, and my name and my byline out out there. So I'd always sort of be cool to write a voyages in America book, and I kind of hadn't really fleshed out the idea, but I was kind of wanted to keep it going, mm. and had a really like awkward back and forth with. Fair facts, where they said I didn't have the intellectual property. <laughs> it's right. to, to to voyages in America, yeah. which was kind of awkward. Yeah. But uh, like, I pressed ahead with the Kickstarter anyway. And
0: so, how did that resolve? Did
1: you just ignore the video? Um, They had, I just used it for the Kickstarter, and then yeah. they got in touch with me after the Kickstarter to kind of gently remind me that they owned it. They they owned it. Yeah which was a little bit confusing to me just because
2: Mm.
1: are you going to start another voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An America blog? But, um, I didn't really have a For I'd imagined, um, I really liked, I mean, I I can't say it was a huge inspiration for me to write, but I loved the book, um, Bill Bryson's, like, Notes from a Big Country, or like that, something like, that was always like, I just, I thought yeah, that book yeah, was yeah. like when like I was 12 it was like the funniest thing I've yeah, ever yeah, read yeah, yeah. And like along
0: I, with a few others of his books yeah, yeah, yeah exactly like, like there M- are a couple of real standards Pretty One
1: Day by David Sedaris yeah, or something yeah. that just just like something like that mm. that I had in whimsical. mind whimsical yeah <laughs> that's what you're going for <laughs> yeah mm. it's like a, something mm. that just chop a ball yeah and then I, the Kickstarter was successful and then I just remember thinking like all of these blogs aren't written in the same voice mm. like the time stamps out of date this if you just put a hundred of these together it's going to be
2: like a yeah, fucking yeah.
1: mess and then just thinking um God, the sad thing is it's been long enough now since i've looked at the book that i, I can't remember the themes <laughs> in, in order but just then mm. like like anything any good ideas it came to me in the shower of just mm. like, you know, arriving, adjusting, mm. complaining, like staying mm. and like just thinking of like six thing and I always wanted to write some new material because like mm. I I with anything like with crowdfunding or a Kickstarter, I was conscious about putting the most amount of effort and like original yeah stuff into it that
0: And also they cut you off before you were finished. Yeah. So, you know, like you just on sort a of personal note you you know and and again this is a thing writers freelance writers journalists hopefully know or need to get their head around is you you seldom get to wrap you know unless unless you are that person that wants to write nine posts about gardening you seldom get to wrap it up when you want to totally your your great idea that gets picked up in any kind of series just about always gets cut off before you're finished
1: yeah yeah and it, it and so a little bit of that and a little bit of also, like, I get to combine my stuff material with, like, better yeah. things than I would get to put in the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to write about how sad it was to leave and, like, mm-hmm. a little bit more, like, expressionistically, a different format, like, yeah. you know, getting married and, re- like, the moment I realized I was staying and yeah. being in America when, like, my uncle got crushed in one of the earthquakes and, like... So you got to kind of dive a little bit deeper in, like, yeah. the... like the personal material but yeah.
0: and again you've, you've done all that work at, for the blog setting yourself up as you know whatever sort of writer and, and also whatever sort of public personality attached to that like yeah. there are followers of your blog that are like getting to know you through your blog and they're, yeah. inter- they're interested in that which I think is like um, you know there's no way to say it without sounding slightly insincere and cliche, but actually trying to be completely earnest, that's really overwhelming and amazing that people give that much of a shit about you, eh? Like, that's what I've found. Like, people that actually want to know what's going on in my life because I've given them little bird crumb, you know, bits. And then I'm like, fuck, you know. And I actually got complete strangers writing to me about the birth of my son. It was like... In a weird way, it was all, not more meaningful, but it kind of hit me. You just expect it from friends and family. You yeah. expect them to turn up with a gift and say congratulations, but when someone you've never actually met sends you a pretty heartfelt note or rings you, which I had a couple of people ring oh, me, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's like, whoa.
1: I had someone write me an email, a very long email. would have been a 1, 1,500 words. Yeah. They'd come across... I'd written a blog when i got married just about the different hurdles of immigration and times mm. when lauren and i thought like well maybe this wouldn't work out maybe it would and she'd stumbled across that and wrote me a very like heart-rending 1500 word email about this she was in new zealand was mm. a new zealand girl who'd had a relationship with an american man that hadn't worked out and had it was just this very personal mm. <laughs> and i just it was almost like heart yeah,
0: yeah.
1: to read it was I, I there's almost like no good response yeah. you can have and it's very like it's it's incredibly it's like, crazy stuff yeah yeah it's incredibly touching and at the same time it's like it's almost <laughs> there's no like that person just wants to be heard mm. and you're the only person they can think of yeah
0: yeah yeah they've, they've, they've decided you share an experience you know or a you know such, like I wrote about um, what was it the 20th anniversary of Stevie Ray Vaughan's death I wrote about you know how much he meant to me as a really young kid discovering his music and being blown away by it and I get a message like within a couple of days of writing that I get a message from uh, his, his girlfriend his partner the woman that was with him <laughs> when he died who was a Kiwi and yeah. I knew I knew a little bit of the story about her um, she writes to me and she says look I don't really publicly talk about Stevie and I don't really you know like you know I'm married and I've got kids and blah blah, blah. and I just wanted to contact you because you know you're from Wellington and that's where I grew up and, and you know just reading this you know so I'm like wow that's pretty cool so I yeah, write back it's... to her and I go blah 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 uh, I don't know how long passes maybe Maybe it's a year, maybe a few months. And I get a message from her. I'm actually back in town. Would you like to meet? So we meet up and we get talking. And she tells me the whole story of her life. uh, Pretty much. She certainly tells me the whole story of their relationship. She even tells me um, what it was like receiving the phone call. Hearing that he had died in a helicopter crash. And I'm kind of like... Do I go home and write a story about that? Fuck no. Like, yeah. no way. Like, that's for me. Like, yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell people in my life that are interested in him as it comes up, but no fucking way. But we're still in touch, you know? Like, she yep. wrote to me when Oscar was born. Yep. I asked her about her kids. You know, we, and so there was that. That's what, you know, and we found out that there are other things that kind of connect us. Obviously, she grew up in New Zealand, so we're not completely foreign to one another, but she lives in the States. Yep. shit like that is kind of mind-blowing when that yep. happens yeah
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's an insane story yeah. I I haven't heard that that's
0: yeah well as I say I try to keep it fairly you know this is about as public as I've gone with it like talking about it because you know one day maybe I'd, I'd sit down and do a podcast with yep. her if she was back in the country it'd be great yep. right? it'd be cool and so that might happen but uh, I wasn't going to take cafe conversation and sneak off and yep. write a blog about that. Like I'm yep. I might be an arsehole but I'm not a fucking arsehole. You know, like <laughs> and I, I I just always sort of thought like it's really neat and also in this day and age where anyone can pull out a f- camera phone yep. and get their version of something. It's kinda nice to keep some things for yourself when you can. Totally. And process them and then and then share them randomly. Over a beer with your brother-in-law and there's a, a tape recorder on, <laughs> you know.
1: Like, <laughs> on a much more superficial level, like the one thing that blew me out a little bit was when people would blog fans would follow my wife on Instagram.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Because it's and it's it is weird, but it's not creepy. It's actually yeah. people just wanting to complete the picture. Yeah. Because you have created, um, you have again. It's that bird, you know birdseed thing those little crabs. like you have created the trail yeah. and so pe- people just want to kind of and now we can enable we're so enabled we can fill in little bits of those blanks
1: ourselves Completely. yeah 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 I, I wrote a blog once about um, when I like settled in San Francisco and kind of probably anyone faces a, as an adult moving to a new town and being mm. like how the fuck do I make friends mm, mm. and like I wrote a post about that Um and I got multiple emails <laughs> and ooh, comments from being ooh. like I uh you know, I have met up with some expats every Wednesday at this mm. uh, this bar and it was like super touching. It makes me feel bad talking about it right now that the awkward writer in me was like, I'm not I, I'm never going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Like yeah. I, I really appreciate
0: it. <laughs> so you put the book out, you get you honor all your sort of various Kickstarter agreements and as much as you can and as much as people follow up on them you you send people their copies of the books you you go about selling it into some shops
1: yeah I mean that was that whole book process was the hardest thing I've ever done and the most rewarding just in terms of the production Mm. everything that goes into that because it
0: was a real quality looking book and and I and you know a lot of you know I've Done quite a few book reviews over the years, and I also worked in a bookshop, so I've seen a lot of yeah. self-published books, and some of them look pretty fucking hokey, yeah. you know. And this didn't. This looked like the real yeah, because yeah, because is a
1: self-published book. What well, no, and that's I mean completely. And that yeah. was the the biggest consideration I had in mind mm. was I'm not. I don't want do this to look a shit embarrassing, self-published yeah. book. Yeah. Is that like because that's what you have that faith in the content, so you yeah. want to serve it correctly. Yeah, and I mean my you know old friend john who's the best man at my wedding he's a designer he yeah so you, know, you call I, it you call it some good favors yeah he so and i job. mean i i told him i'll give you a thousand bucks to do the design yeah. <laughs> on my book and at that point it seemed like a good deal but it's like until the best book design is this design you never see mm. but there's you know because if a book designer is doing a good job when you're reading the book you're you're not going to notice anything yeah but like there's like a million little things yeah yeah that, and leaning and curding and paperweights and mm. paper stock and all, all that kind of mm. stuff so i mean that was you know six months of pretty heady work and then the i mean the, the book's good and i'm proud of it yeah i part of what got it into I managed to sell it into probably a dozen stores which is each one of those dozen relationships is another yeah. kind of door to kick down yeah. um, was the I mean the design it looked it look good so people, yeah, 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 people totally. I mean people judge a book yeah they <laughs> do of course they do um, and so you know it got into unity which once was into unity I could say well is this in unity and they mm. um, and it, it you know one of the proudest things for me about the book was that it sold Unity were re, were reordering it for like eighteen months and yeah. that, that was a good time but the the week kind of the week it came out I got maybe the week after I got laid off from I was working as a tech reporter mm. and so yeah so I, that kind of led back to freelancing and then kind of just considering
0: what did you what were your impressions when you I'm interested to know about this because I had my own story. With regard to my book, and I've talked to a couple of other people about it, uh, with albums as well as books. That what what were your first impressions when you saw the first finished copy? Did you find it quite hard to to look was at it to feel good about it?
1: I was like, this is small.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is this that's exactly it? Is yeah. this what this all about? Yeah,
1: because
0: it's a lot of years' work. Yeah. especially in your case like with that because it's um building on something that existed on another platform that had yep. x amount of time put into yep. it but then you've also spent all of the marketing and design and publishing time yep. which you know you're a self-publisher essentially yep. that you've created all these relationships and you've written new material and you've edited it and then yep. you've sent it out to get copy edited and yep. blah, blah, blah. but yeah it's my book turned up here and um the first copy of my book turned up here and Katie said, I think she picked me up for work Oscar was really little and she said you know, the book's, the books here, it's so exciting rah, 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 and um, you know, I've had a look at it and I can't remember quite why but she dropped me home and I think she had to go out somewhere and maybe Oscar was asleep and I just saw it on the coffee table and I kind of just couldn't touch it and I just remember, like, sort of six thirty, seven o'clock at night, vacuuming, you know, and then like checking the dishwasher needed, you know, and then like thinking, what else could I do? And then, you know, doing some dusting, and then finally sitting down after, like, like I'd walked around it in the house for about ninety minutes, and then I was like, all right, let's have it. And I picked it up, and I was like, oh, is that it? Like, it's not really that big. Like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. That's, and that's quite a common experience. Like,
1: yeah, totally. And I was production managing the book. So I yeah. would drive 90 minutes down to like Santa Clara, 90 minutes south of Oakland. And I would see the book and it would have, would not that be that deflating feeling yeah. on top of like, uh, like the color on the tone on the, front yeah. and then have yeah. to go so I got a little bit like immune to that yeah I
0: think that is actually more excited when the page proofs turned yeah. up because then you're like wow this is no longer on my computer yeah this is a thing and I've still got those somewhere these giant A3 sheets yeah. of printed out like for, that I had to read through and mark for final edits and I'm like that that's that was a cooler experience for me than the actual finished book totally
1: I remember when I saw the cover that john sent through and i kind of thought maybe he hadn't done that much work on it he was like running a bit late and he was like oh here's just like this one mm. spec i had and mm. just seeing that being like that's awesome mm. or when like it kind of the shape of the book clicked and i remember like you and katie giving me some feedback of like cutting it shorter and yeah, then just yeah. like going shorter and being like oh actually like but when you actually see the thing it,
0: no, I mean it's a good book. It's a good length, and a, you know it, it's a it's a good production, and, and I'm, I'm sure you are still um, proud of it. Uh, you know, oh, and, and you completely. should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, what do you do? You decide, fuck, I've got to get out of journalism. It's a sinking ship. I'm out. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: I've, I've done my masters. I, I've come to America. I've worked really, really hard. I've been a you know a pretty successful freelancer. I've turned my blog into a book. I gotta get the fuck out of journalism and do something else.
1: Yeah, I mean, I got laid off. I went. I I think it was another four or five months, and just freelancing. You need a hustle, and you need a pace, and you need to attack it. And yeah. and just being like, I don't whatever I, I had back then. I don't like, have that. I don't. <laughs> 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 yeah. I don't have it, and just being like a little bit. Because you start
0: to um, preempt the emails that you're going to get in reply. Yeah. I think, you know, like, well, for me, I do. And I know that. I go and I've only just sort of got back into, like, trying to pitch a few different things to a few different places and try a few different things after many years of, of sitting doing the same thing. But, like, you you kind of know what the art's is going to be a lot of the time. Oh, totally. Right and,
1: and by this point, in six or nine months or maybe it was happening while I was still doing New Zealand stuff the bottom had really dropped out Mm. of New New Zealand Mm. and so I could start doing film stuff again but for the Chronicle in America but I remember I remember pitching a travel story and um, the uh, response just being like oh that's a cool idea yeah write it if you want yeah there's no budget (laughs) yeah 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 and just just stuff that's one of those standard responses yeah just stuff like that and um, and just I mean I, I, I can't say it was a conscious decision but then at the same time getting a couple of job offers of people that I knew com stuff like all coming up at the same time and just being like this just feels like well, a I, better way to
0: I got an email the other day that said um, thanks for reaching out to us and I and I went I got really excited and went, fuck, I actually can count on probably both hands the number of times I've actually heard that. And then I went back and went, oh God, it's got an exclamation mark. I don't actually think they mean it. You know, like, (laughs) like, you know, like, that's where I'm at with this shit now. Like, oh God, they don't actually mean it. They're actually mocking me. Or... Or uh, you know something's gonna go wrong here. Like that's where, that's that's where I've got to with this.
1: Yeah, I I found genuinely genuinely the experience of being a tech reporter and writing two articles a day, for six or seven months, really just deflating. Look at that. That's an Steve, voice. Look at that. <laughs> mm. And just i got to a point with that where i was like i'm just putting content on the web like mm. this isn't and
0: well this is this whole new frustrating thing too isn't it are you know you're a content provider
1: yeah i'm it's I just, hate that term but it's just like i felt like 80 percent of the stuff i was doing i was just like secreting bland mm. protein paste out it's of my a,
0: it's such a horrible to I'm neither content doing it and it does not provide, you know, like it's ludicrous and it reduces it right down to just, we're all doing the same thing. We're all just, we're all just, um, you know, occupying the space that someone could sell to something else. Yeah. We're just putting the text there.
1: Yeah. It's like the the stuff that goes next to the end.
0: And then we can come back for like our chump change, you know, like we can come back and Basically, we're busking, you know, like, we're hopeful that there'll be some something to chuck in the pot.
1: And I was lucky enough at Pando that they were trying to write with a voice and trying to be... But even that, yeah. even a voice has formula and the... So there's, there's a really painful article at Pando that I always come back to, especially recently because there's a self-driving car company, it was a guy mm. i met at a party, mm. and... I, I got to ride with his new self-driving car. And it's like, this guy had built a self-driving car. Like, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. And in my head, I'm like, Mr. Puffed-Up Journalist. I'm like, yeah. why are you competing with Google? Yeah. I interviewed him. I was like, just talk, think I talked about Google self-driving cars the whole time. <sighs> yeah. This is a guy that's been, he sold two companies before this. He's like has got a PhD from MIT.
2: Yeah.
1: It's a company called Cruise. I forgot about the story for like two years until the start of this year when he sold his self-driving compa- car company to GM yeah. for a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and I went back and read that story yeah. and like I just read that and I'm like
2: yeah.
1: you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's it's yeah. the ultimate and like journalistic yeah. arrogance yeah. and like complete lack of knowledge. Yeah. And like if I yeah, it's I almost want to write this guy an email and apologise.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's
2: like,
0: It's... I have... I guess I, I, I've had the th- same sort of thing levelled at me, but it's different. Like, why did you say Robbie Williams is no good? He must be good because he's worth this. But that's kind of different, you know, like, the, yeah. that's a different form of writing. Like, and,
1: no, it's a different form. And I think... I hated being in tech journalism for the evidence... I found it really hollow of i was going to interview people who i'm not really comparing musicians to entrepreneurs here but entrepreneurs yeah. who just put their heart and soul and time to like build a company and they mm. were geniuses almost,
0: almost every tech story is a success story right yeah. like like there's i mean you did a couple of really good stories that i read and or probably several but like and there are, there are ones about, like, little shady uncoverings yeah. and, like, um, you know, things around, like, probably things around, like, intellectual property and the murkiness of... Totally. But generally, it, it, it exists as a medium and as a sort of... It's, it's, you know, tech journalism is just a giant bunch of um, flag wavers waving all the industry and saying, your success is our success.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of tech journalism is built around... A lot of tech reporters who think they think they're part of the industry and that's think right. they're like taste. Well, pictures. actually,
0: that's just fucking music journalism in New Zealand, yeah. <laughs> or and most other kinds of journalism yeah. in New Zealand. Actually, well, I, I just thought about that when I was saying that. It's like we're all a bunch of little, we're supposed to be a bunch of flag wavers, you know? It's like, hey, this is great. We're all part of this. We're all promoting because if you do well, we'll do well, and that's yeah.
1: that's not really what it's about. No, and a, a lot of tech journalism is access journalism of people yeah. who you Know a lot of tech scoops are just yeah, a press release, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. All sponsored
0: content yeah. of a kind, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, like, yeah, you. Yeah.
1: it's just it, it, as long as a journalist plays nice, yeah, they're gonna get the scoop and yeah, continues. Kind of,
0: even sponsored content is a murky term now that's yeah. not you know, it's 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 loaded and yet not unpacked correctly, yeah,
1: you know? yeah. And I think probably the difference is it, it's. A lot of tech entrepreneurs and musicians are probably both fueled on genius, on a different type of genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the creative musical genius is a little bit more ephemeral, and yeah. a lot, there's a little bit more sitting around with yeah. these. The tech genius involves like ninety-hour weeks, and
0: yeah, yeah. Also, the tech. Genius um, is defined by an absolute eureka moment, Yeah. I think. Whereas, yeah. you know, like it's still a fucking murky, wishy washy eureka yeah. moment. Like, yes, Brian Wilson is a musical genius for writing, you know, um, one particular song or a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. You could point to that. You could say, um, God only knows, is proof, uh, And as much as your opinion could hold that weight is proof that he's a musical genius. You know, you could say that, and that might be a fair. Or the Beatles, you know, Sergeant Pepper or Revolver is proof. Yeah. You can have that, but it's still not a completely defined Eureka moment. Yeah. Whereas yeah. creating the algorithm that does, yeah that makes a car
1: drive itself, yeah. <laughs> you know, is a
0: genius moment. And
1: Yeah, no, definitely.
0: It's it a, ends up being worth a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, but even it, if you don't like the guy, or think that it doesn't. No, and he, I mean, he, the thing
1: is, it's like he was such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, So good and like so. Yeah. Like, and I just think about like. What was it? Yeah. For him, if he read that story, he would have been like.
0: I'm really pleased. I have very few moments where I can actually say about. Maybe this speaks to what an absolute asshole I actually am, <laughs> but I have very few moments where I go, fuck, I got that so wrong I owe that person an apology. You yeah. know, like I, I really don't. I don't owe Robbie Williams an apology. Like he is a buffoon who put on a shit show. Yeah. Totally. You know, like that's that. It's simple. Like there are, I know that there are people who don't think that. Yeah. But they're fucking wrong. And I'm yeah. happy to stand up and say they're wrong and, and I was right on that instance. There's only been, you know, I think like I don't know calling Neil Finn out a couple of times I did that really badly like there was uh, some of the things I said about him were probably accurate and fair enough but I definitely got one thing really wrong where I basically accused him of um, feathering his own nest and putting money in his pocket when he was actually like you know raising money for charity and what have I ever fucking done (laughs) you know like not only that he was putting on amazing shows that People here got to see that they yeah. loved, and the money was all going to charity. And I just, I actually just had like a, a sort of, desperate mind blank moment trying to condemn the guy for being a bit lazy, and I used the wrong words, and it just stuck. And that's yeah. always fucked me off. I've always yeah. got mad. You should have been better than that. Like, um, but I don't actually think I fucked it up too much beyond that.
1: I think some of that's got to be because music is. You're an you're an expert in music, in a, in a sense of yeah. like, I mean, mm. maybe not musicianship or every different it's, type of of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of of music, but it, in something like tech, I don't know about mm. product market fit and how yeah. the soft and so it's like, you're and like how can
2: you yeah yeah, yeah, you're yeah like yeah, yeah. self
1: driving cars hardware mm. like wearables like yeah. all this different stuff and like you're making these huge assumptions and it's like mm. really just kind of like a blind dick in space.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so. You withdraw from journalism, essentially, but you jump the fence, as all journalists are doing, or will do, or have done. So you're working in PR, which Mm -hmm. has, what, some of the storytelling of journalism and none of the honesty? Or, or like, what? I don't know. What does it have? I mean, it has a steady paycheck. So it's completely admirable for that alone. But I'm just wondering, what's the appeal
1: for you outside of that it's a completely different creative challenge and it's all of it's many of the same skills yeah. applied from a different angle of not like it's like how you're th- you're th- you're thinking from one concrete point of like what is the story and what is the message and what is interesting and yeah. what is and how can we pump that outwards it's, it's sort of like incept, you're trying to like incept journalists like yeah, into yeah. your into your dream I mean it has been it's a huge transition I think any journalist has PR in their
0: Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say in a, in a, in a way it, I mean you talking about it that way and explaining that aspect of it I mean that's like that's a pure ideal of journalism you know or or at least some of the aspects of it you know like that's actually quite sincere and pure and honest
1: yeah and it I mean without throwing my company on on the fire I mean and you know I've worked two PR jobs now it's it's marketing and it's selling something yeah and this is where it gets ugly. Yeah, get where it gets murky. But it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm working in this sales mm. aspect. And it's like, I'm trying to tell a concrete mm. story. And it's like, you're, you're always working to like, what's the takeaway? What's the thing, what's the thing someone's going to hold on to? Like I do, mm. my CEO is like really great at like, what's the... When we're talking to reporters like what's the quote that this so it's like there's like salesmanship in that but then you bring all of your journalism experience into that and mm. like what i know how to talk to reporters i know that like journalists get 1200 word
2: mm.
1: press releases and mm. and that are like auto sent to release to lists of 1500 people and like so it's, you try and elevate yourself above that and you're like yeah. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna think about the person I'm sending this to and I'm gonna send a, a, a three sentence email and I'm gonna I'm not gonna say oh I enjoyed working with you on that because I know that reporters mm. hate the idea of that they've worked with a PR person yeah 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 and yeah it's different in the sense of a lot of the a lot of the pure ideals of story and truth are gone, and you learn what to hold back and put in, and what kind of speaks for itself, and what you don't mm. like. What might negate from your case and leaving that away, but you realize that the other side is just as corrupted. Yeah, yeah. As as, as well, and like there's an interchangeable relationship between journalism and public relations.
2: Yeah,
1: that I don't that public relations people know but journalism people don't often accept and I know that journalists are often put in a hard place by a lot of bad public relations yeah. but if you're in a field where you have to write a lot about anything you need the PR side so yeah. it's a minefield and it. I would say it's been kind of humbling in that I remember starting in PR journalism and thinking like oh i can always go to pr in a heartbeat and about two weeks in being like i don't know anything yeah 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 (laughs) like i know how to write (laughs) yeah 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 like i know where the full stop should go i (laughs) know where yeah most
0: of the other things should go but i don't actually quite know what i'm doing like what does serves and how yeah Yeah.
1: and so melding something to a storyline that's going to have traction that someone's going to be interested in and not, and kind of you, 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 you kind of have to blind that uh, kind of cheerleader in you because mm. every company you're in, you drink the Kool Aid a little bit, yeah. And you have to numb that voice to then know what is legitimately going to be.
0: So, are you missing? Are you missing the freedom of? Blogging and or journalism, do you miss that?
1: Uh, yes and no. Yeah. I would say, I feel like I've raised the prospect of ego <laughs> a mm. lot. But I, I think the thing I miss is like the ego of a byline. Yeah, yeah. Of of of. of yeah,
0: you're a silent partner in all yeah. these things now. Yeah, and again,
1: it's, I worry it might make me sound like a jerk to say this, but like sometimes just shooting the shit and having an opinion on something and I'm just like part of me thinks like oh my opinion doesn't yeah. matter and I'm not going to publish any of these thoughts that I'm workshopping on these hapless yeah, yeah. <laughs> people yeah. right, right now and so it's sort of you don't have that um, avenue mm. to kind of put your thoughts in.
0: having a Byline people recognise can kind of suck though.
1: Yeah, yeah. You,
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to actually gesture towards me when I say that I'm kind of, I'm sort of self referencing. <laughs> you know, you don't need to confirm
1: that. But
0: um, I, I,
1: I, miss, I'm bit, and then I do. I, you know I miss the express. Of course, I miss the creative expression yeah. and the community yeah. of it. Not enough that when I think about doing it again, that I. Yeah, been- I was going to
0: say the steady paycheck. Yeah. Probably, the steady paycheck that's that's also probably more than you were earning helps. Yeah. Make no. up for that, right? Like, no, it that, <laughs> helps that
1: that that helps, and also just getting into into. You know I booked in. interview with my CEO with like the Wall Street Journal, and just like getting, yeah, yeah. like there are you there are new wins and new strategic yeah. games you're playing in creative yeah. out outlets, but you know I have probably once once or twice a week or I'm always I, I think about you know a medium yeah. post or or something yeah. or you're tossing ideas around it's like something always did a short story course and play around with stuff but and so I thought
0: and you haven't gone back to any of that yet like yeah no,
1: and I, I, I thought about it and I I thought I would and I still think I might but when I took my first job I thought and this is I've been in PR two years now yeah. so I thought I'll keep freelancing yeah and then I thought well I don't want to just freelance a job I would have just done for money or keep something going that wasn't creatively rewarding just so I could say it was writing so kind of holding out and waiting for something that I feel
2: yeah
1: connected to uh, connected to it I just nothing's really kind of
0: so let's talk um, maybe to wrap this up let's talk Trump and what you hinted at and America where it's at now and I want to do that I guess under the sort of vague idea of how you know what winning voyages in America coverage this could have been yeah. or something like that and whether that whether as a coping mechanism for what you've just gone through as someone who lives in america yeah. uh, also as an outsider in a sense who lives yeah. in america watching it whether that might have been an interesting way to deal with what you have just gone through and are still and it's obviously still and currently and future going through
1: yeah that's a really interesting question And it's hard, it's just really, like America's just deflated at the moment, like it's a very like, that day after the election, I felt it, and a lot of people I know talked about it, so I knew I wasn't just imagining it, of just like, people just heads down, depressed, (laughs) like, it was just a very hollow day to be out on the streets, and like, I remember talking to a friend of mine on election night and we were a little bit drunk and but him just saying like, you know, like I appreciate that like this is like far out and full on, but you don't really understand, mm. like we've been American forever, yeah, like, like this is embarrassing to us. Yeah. And also just thinking like the middle of Oakland, I feel so far off. <laughs> away from like that and just thinking like part of me at the moment like
0: well I keep thinking about that we were we we came and visited you in the middle of the year and went around some other places in America and we were there like in fact when we were there I think you and I went to the Ghostbusters movie and came back from that and the news had just broken the Melania and plagiarised Michelle's speech so like the republican convention was going on and it was yeah it was it was pretty full swing but it was still calm yeah. before the storm like yeah but also like i thought about so i thought about that but also like everywhere um we travelled in America was pretty much blue state I mean obviously yep. obviously Las Vegas is a fucking wild card and all, yeah. in all senses the word the of
1: is blue though yeah I mean, yeah. yeah
0: overall yeah. exactly but yeah. you know like I remember seeing a guy walk down the strip fuck what did the t-shirt say like it was awful um, I can't it was like he, it was basically a t-shirt he must have made himself and it said something like, um, I'm voting Trump. And this is this is before they really tapped into the sort of uh, stories around alleged sexual assaults and so yeah. forth. But it was like, I'm, I'm, um, I'm voting Trump so I can lick all pussies or something this guy yeah. and uh, there was another you know like that was yeah. a t-shirt that we saw and, you know this guy was very proudly wearing it i mean what did it even fucking mean for a start what was yeah. the relevance and the connection there that he'd put together in his head but yeah so that was a, a slight wild card place but the rest of where we went was complete blue state like yeah you know, safe as houses <clears throat> kind of not the america that was being reported back to new zealand essentially yeah
1: and it's i mean it's troubling man and, and i i i think that what i'm grappling with is what anybody in my part of the world a part of america's grappling with yeah. it's like this it's like a, this isn't what we wanted yeah this It's <laughs> but like the, a, you know on a
0: basic level this is not what
1: we it's a repudiation of an a type of America that you thought you were living in yeah and to go back to that just genesis of what attracted me to America then thinking on top of that well is this a good place I mean mm. I'm in a different part of my life from thinking about children and family and settling down and like what that looks like and just thinking like you know I had a very almost like superficial like America was the shiny coin <laughs> and then thinking like mm. it's this guy's an, embarrass- an an embarrassment. He's a fascist and a racist and a misogynist and yeah. all, all of that stuff. Yeah, and and, that's,
0: and on um, more than one level, some sort of criminal that hasn't been actually yeah. accurately convicted and tried yet, but will try to convict But Completely. he is a criminal.
1: Yeah, he's attacking voting rights. Yeah, he's um, you know this thing with the recount, and it's like yeah. you fast forward four years, and it's like what's President Trump, who's been in power for four years. Who won't accept the validity of an election result? Like, it's just stuff like that. It's- I was
0: thinking about this. Uh, I don't think it was because I was going to gonna talk to you, but I was thinking about this today. It uh, might have been in relation to one of the. I've been listening to that Katie Couric podcast, and she's been talking to a lot of people in the. I'm catching up with it, so she's yeah. been talking to a lot of people in the build up yeah. to the election. And I think it was her talking to Samantha B. And it's a good, it's quite a good listen. But I remember thinking, like, like fuck apart from anything else one of the things I'm I just keep coming back to with Trump is he's unqualified for the job like he's com- like completely. obviously there's all this other shit and, and in many ways this other shit is far more worrying but what seems to me to be actually the most problematic situation is here's a guy who is blatantly unqualified yeah He's essentially run on that as a campaign and people have invested in him.
1: Yeah.
0: And then he's like all you know, he's not even he's pres still president elected, but his first moves and his first reactions to things are Absolutely. just hi- are the worst. They're just highlighting how unprepared and unqualified he is. And what is that like like that it doesn't just make a mockery of uh, the electoral system it makes a mockery of the job which you, you go like yeah. you know okay I don't think anyone's ever really got the president's back and loads of people are like talking now about how um, you know there's a certain grace about Obama that we'll never see again and all of that yeah. which is true but it's like um, there it was a grace about
1: Bush too yeah that I mean Obama I prefer it to Bush tenfold and Bush, so, but it's like a, this person could be a statesman. Yeah. Trumpet has no. No, that's a, that's what I
0: mean. There's nothing there. There's this. There's the worst. uh the absolute worst elements, vestiges of like entitled baby boomer culture about him, and that's it. Yeah. You yeah. know, like alleged self-made businessman, when he's not. Uh, you know like yeah. that's it that's it and also like how's he gonna you know and this whole sort of the whole language around like the whole uh, vague language yeah. I'm gonna make deals that are so great yeah You know. Good night.
1: There's,
0: where there's, are the specifics uh, like be, what does that mean there's
1: gonna be so many jobs on my there's gonna be
0: so here. many jobs because I'm gonna do great things yeah and I'm gonna make good deals He's already made some really bad deals they're horrible. Yeah. <laughs> what is does that mean? Because I, I just, I remember thinking like, when I watched the, um, the debates, I just realized that, that, I guess that's what it means to, to not realize how idealistic you are. Because I just went, the debates are what are going to sink him. And really, you watch those debates and that should have been what sunk him. Yeah. Like, if nothing else... Those just show him to be a man with no clue oh, towards sure. what he's doing. But like, so you go, how did that actually translate? Like, how did people go, how how could people watch that and and decipher from that? No, she's, we can't trust her. She's telling lies. This guy's interesting. He's a bit of a wild card. How, how could people have arrived at that?
1: I mean, how could people fall for something like that? yeah. And just the fact that I have no, you know, living in America, I have no better, <laughs> I have no better idea. The the mail, whatever, yeah, you yeah, here, the anyone here. Which is why, yeah. when I think about like, do I miss doing borders America or writing about being in America? Is like, essentially, I would just feel like a huge fraud <laughs> because I don't get it, like impostus, I don't. Imposter syndrome, <laughs> which, yeah, maybe. Mm. I hope maybe imposter syndrome is just a sign of smarts because I feel like ego <laughs> yeah. and imposter syndrome has come yeah, up in yeah. A, yeah, yeah. a lot this evening. <laughs> but I I don't get it. And it's embarrassing and it's if offensive and it hasn't... Even on November 8th when you're like, well, this is unexpected watching yeah. Donald Trump accept the presidency of the United States of America and less than three weeks in, I'm like this is escalating like really fucking what I, quickly
0: what I can't work out is I can't remember what a program I saw him on um not CNN but one of the news channels I watched an interview with him after he'd won like a couple of days maybe a week after he'd won and and it was a panel like a breakfast you know like a morning breakfast show type thing and his demeanour was very, very different mm-hmm. from how it had been. He, dare I say, it, almost sounded reasonable. Yeah. He talked about how passionate, and how excited he was for the job, and he was obviously in sales mode. And obviously, like what we what we forget about him, it's very easy to forget it. But obviously, there is some intelligence and some charisma about the man. There has to be,
2: yep. for, him
0: to, for him to have lasted as long, yeah. Um, I don't know quite what there is and how much and row rah, around rah, rah. but there has to be you know um. but that mask that he put back on mm-hmm. seemed to slip off very quickly when you see things like the Hamilton and SNL you know there was yeah. that I mean it was just a meme but it was a pretty good meme that one that said you know this guy who was about to go and take down ISIS Is currently locked in a battle with Saturday Night Live and the cast of (laughs) Hamilton, and it was kind of like, yeah, that's how fucking absurd we've got really quickly. Like,
1: yeah, and like I can remember when Trump's campaign started, and he was running. it's when there was like eighteen Republicans in the field, and he was running second to Jeb Bush. Yeah, on like twelve percent, and him just standing up and being like, I don't know how I'm running second to Jeb Bush. He's a loser. (laughs) Just like kind of being like. Yeah, you get the at that point I was you like, you get the cavalier. Yeah, sort of, I was like, yeah, this is classic. classic. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny. I know that guy from TV, and that's kind of hard case. Like, that's a wild card that's taking the piss. Yeah, but yeah, everyone was. It felt like, like loads of people were just waiting for when the moment was that he was basically going to say, "About I've been pranking you all." Well, and.
1: And very credible informed reporters have come out and said, Well, he was planning on being out in October. He got into yeah. June, planning like, to leave in October. He was gonna hand all of his support over to Chris Christie. Didn't happen. It's it was almost like a joke that has yeah. gone too far.
0: Too far that he was I, I sort of imagined it I remember when we when we left the States, I remember in August. Early August, I remember thinking this is all, and I don't know if I've uh, talked about it with you or anyone else there, but I just remember thinking uh, and saying it to someone when I got back, this is all a joke, and the whole plan is that he's basically going to leverage a new reality TV show out yeah. of this. You know, like the the Apprentices of done brand. This is going to be the new brand is going to be... I yeah. could have been president but I chose not to be kind of thing like in whatever format that takes that's going to be the thing <laughs> that's what it felt yeah. like I mean, that, and that, that would have been
1: f- that would have been dark but better than,
0: yeah exactly like
1: than, than what than what we got and now it's like there are all these norms being shattered like every day from him sp- saying well maybe i don't have to put my businesses in a blind trust maybe the president of the united states can run businesses at the same time yeah the breitbart guy his chief strategist to all this stuff So
0: i will put them in a blind trust but i'll put my kids in charge of them and then they'll also work for me yeah with white house duties as well (laughs) you know which is essentially like no blind trust yeah
1: to be Oh my God! My after I got elected president of the United States of America, my business permit in Argentina suddenly got approved. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, people, and it just it, it's really dark to the. One of the leading climate deniers being put in charge of the transition of the EPA or like yeah 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 NASA's climate change research and bringing
0: in like Christian fundamentalists yeah. to be in charge of education yeah
1: <laughs> and that's that's really horrible and a lot of people bring up Nixon and impeachment yeah but
0: my it, attitude from the from the announcement from the from the night of the election and obviously I I, I feel like. Well, I'm just saying this to try and make myself feel better about the next four years. My attitude is somewhere in this first year, he'll be there'll be an assassination attempt, which I, I'm not saying I want yeah. that, but I just feel like there'll be that or impeachment and the assassination attempt won't be successful, but it might be enough that he's re- sidelined from the job. I just, and I feel like one of those two things is going to happen.
1: I think that... What a
0: weird thing to even... That is a dark thought. It is, but what a weird thing to even feel, A, you've got a right to speculate that and that it might not be that far off. I
1: think what's horrifying, though, is how many Republicans tolerated Trump and how much they let slide on the basis that... He's our guy. We want to. We yeah. We, we don't wanna want win. him,
0: but we want win. Yeah, and he's and, our guy. Yeah, and he's yeah. the best
1: shot we've got. Yeah, and so what people maybe overlook, overlook about impeachment is you need to be impeached by your Congress. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't think a Republican Congress or Senate is going to impeach Donald Trump. Mm. So that's probably not going to happen. And unless uh, America finds a hidden bipartisan moral backbone mm. somewhere that's probably not coming and so and it's amazing how quickly just by being the president how much of the shit he says is just normal or yeah, clear, yeah. Is serious now so I don't know it's, it's it's pretty crazy when you can say that all bets are off yeah, yeah, in yeah. the largest democracy yeah. in, in yeah. earth yeah. and it's pretty crazy when And I know a lot of people feel this everywhere. It's like a lot of probably pundits and political journalists are like, I don't know anything. Because Donald Trump ran a back of the napkin campaign where there was a lot of things that was... Which he
0: he threw in the bid ages ago. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 he was winging it. Yeah, A lot of the times people are like, that's going to end him. Yeah. it didn't he, a lot of times people are like you've got to respect that he's like I don't care yeah. it didn't hurt him yeah. and so he's shattered every norm yeah. in politics and so I wouldn't know how to write about that and I wouldn't know how to I don't think anybody right now can equate in America that your existence is representative mm. of anything or that I could yes. speak for American shame or embarrassment towards that. There's
0: been some good journalism about Trump in the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, no, definitely.
0: But, but one of the criticisms of that from kind of, um, What would I call them? Like, not political extremists, but people who, who, you know, whose argument is entirely, um... No one was right for the job, so we're all doomed. But, but, um... There's been some criticism around the idea that even the good journalism is coming from places that helped, uh, whether they knew it or not, were quite arguably complicit in Trump's rise. Yeah, if not his capture of the job, certainly in his rise.
1: Yeah, yeah, you've got to wonder. I think, I think there is a problem in journalism when traditions of objectivity couldn't really cater to Trump. I remember listening to a, a podcast, the the run-up in New York Times, a political thing they were doing, and the host was running down everything that had to go into them using the word liar in a headline about yeah. Donald Trump when he pretended that he just essentially never did the Obama-bertha stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's like... And just thinking, like, if that's a 12-hour conversation when, like, everyone in America is like, yeah. oh, that guy who spent five years saying mm. that Obama was Kenyan mm. is now pretending he didn't do that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's well, that's well, like a fold in journalism a little yeah. bit.
0: What's that guy's name who did um, the uh, all the presidents being Carl... What's
1: Woodward. That G- yeah, Woodward. Oh, no, Carl Bernstein. Oh, Bernstein, Bernstein Yeah. Again. Bob Woodward, Woodward
0: isn't yeah, it? yeah. So one of those guys it must be Bob Woodward was on a popcat podcast saying, um, you know, I remember this vividly because it was the day of the election. It was at the morning, New Zealand time. Like walking around, I was off to actually I was off to meet Robert Forster and record him for this, and um, and I was listening to this podcast, and and, and that guy said. And this is you know, this podcast had been recorded a couple of months ago, but it was still in the lead up to the election. And they said, What do you think's gonna happen? And he said, words to the effect of the the dumbest thing Hillary did was that line, uh, we were broke when we left the White House. Yeah. As soon as she said that, he said some some PR firm really didn't do their job that day. Like somebody yeah. or or didn't do their job managing that because that was catastrophic for yep. her that was wor- he argued that, that was far worse than anything to do with the emails that is the he he reckoned that was the absolute pinnacle of uh, you know her unrelatableness yeah her, her unrelatability you know like that was it where people went well fuck you you know how yep. could you and I thought that was quite interesting and that really stuck with me. And I, went and I went and interviewed Robert Forster. I went about the rest of my day. I went and took Oscar swimming. I went back to see Robert Forster perform that night, doing a book launch and a few songs. And then I returned to to pick up Oscar from your folks' house and basically the numbers were in. You know, it was like, and I was listening to a bit of it in the car on the way, Go fuck fuck this is far closer than i ever yeah. you know. just like pretty much everyone else i would imagine certainly pretty much everyone here and, and loads of people in the states and then it was like i came home and went what the fuck? how do i but those words were ringing in my head like that that was a really interesting point that this guy had dug up
1: yeah and i think that that and just the they there was no economic connection between the Clintons and the, the states that turned up being Michigan, Wisconsin, yeah. Pennsylvania. it's just there was no narrative that they'd sold or they'd sold policy, yeah, but they hadn't sold a story yeah and I think Trump had and he'd managed to disenf- he'd managed to attack her enough to maybe disenfranchise a little bit some of her voting blocks and turn out his uh, voting blocks and it was because
0: obama had obviously like there was a reaction to a republican government at that point yeah but obama also had like for whatever faults he may have had which i would largely say have been situations where he was just completely shut down yeah (laughs) but for whatever faults he may have had outside of that he had a huge story that was sold yep. that wasn't just, it's time for change. Yeah. Uh, post nine eleven, the government that worked through there and took us to war, he had his own story, yep. you know, like, massively. Yep. And his own brand that was, you know, the whole Audacity of Hope thing. Yeah. Um, which you were in the States for a lot of that, like,
2: mm-hmm. and,
0: and saw that firsthand. But, so Hillary had had no real brand like brand Hillary is just like I've been around politics my yeah. whole life I'm, I'm the right person for the job
1: yeah I'm owed this
0: I'm owed this like there, yeah there was that sense of entitlement too like I didn't get it last time I probably should have got it I, yeah. didn't, I didn't get it before that I kind of uh, helped Bill yeah I've been in this forever it's now my turn yeah, yeah. Y- y- You 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 couldn't find suitable candidate to run against me all of them were useless so you put this cloud in and then that cloud trumped her pardon the yeah. pun
1: <laughs> you know totally and it, it's it's hard though and it's bittersweet because there was so much shitty sexism and with the mm. she, oh it revolted and it, it, so much shitty sexism and she would have been such a worthwhile president for all her faults yeah and she was Great and she'd overcome a lot as woman of that time and as yeah. you know a husband going out of the kind of restrictive feminist yeah box of the first lady yeah. thing and to so it's sort of I think of her bittersweetly kind of because yeah. she would have done I a lot of
0: I thought her uh,
1: speech when she finally showed up to concede was actually pretty
0: yeah Pretty decent, pretty pretty gracious.
1: And that was, I think, heartbreaking just for a lot of people. And, like, yeah. it was... We were on the edge of another historic president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. And then we got a historic president, but for...
0: Yeah, for the, all the wrong reasons. Yeah.
1: And so that, it's just...
0: Well, that was it, wasn't it? Like, I think that's what a lot of people... In, well, I shouldn't speak for anyone else but myself, but I, I feel like it was just me that thought... The reaction is... Okay, um, Not only did we get it wrong letting a black man be president. No way are we going to follow that up with a woman. It was sort of like America's butt cheek clenched and we yeah. no. No, yep. you're gonna have four or eight more years of a seventy year old white man yep. who fucking thinks he knows it all, and then you're gonna get another one on top of that. And, yep. and if you don't like that, you can have another one on top yep. of that. You know, yep. and that's so, sort of how it feels right now. I yeah, think, totally.
1: Um, it's the it's it's, and I mean I'm quoting. Van Jones, here, who's an excellent senior yeah, yeah, yeah. commentator and you know activist, but yeah. I remember. Being very sad and, in the small hours. And,
0: and Prince fan.
1: And Prince fan, which counts yeah, for it does more than count, anything. Yeah, I yeah. remember <laughs> being very sad and quite drunk in the small hours mm. of election morning and watching him just say, like, this is like a white lash for yes, like, the first yeah, black president. Like, this is for. And there's so many factors that went into Trump, so yeah. it's not racism but it is racism it's not yeah. education but it is racism but it, it, but, but it is education yeah it's... there's like all of yeah all, there's so many things went into it yeah but so much of it is and it goes into brexit or whether like the yeah. pen wins in france it's like at the moment it's just there's been so much change and so much globalization it feels like people are just digging back in and mm. and it was like we don't we want yeah like you said we want a we want a white guy yeah
0: yeah that's what we want, and it's horrible like it's uh, I mean you have to kind of go like in our lifetime this will be squashed that's that's what I kind of that's my hope now is going, this is actually silly old white people who've ruled the world for far too long in their dying days, and this is their absolute outreach of fear, yeah. And, and that it's this it, you know it might not be in a year or four years time, it might take eight or twelve. But this is going to actually fucking die out. Like that's what
1: I kind of feel. You hope, but uh, yeah, exactly, it is just kind of blind hope. You hope. I think like uh, what is the the Martin Luther King quote go out of like the arc of just of the, the arc of justice bends towards good or the right yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah and this is the first time where you could see like this isn't
0: this is not going you know, the right way yeah 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 this, yeah
1: this isn't and so what what comes on what comes on the other side of this yeah. I, I don't I don't know and it it's pretty scary it's, it yeah and it, you think and then selfishly you think I'm a white man yeah in San, in San Francisco yeah so this luckily like I don't Mm. have to think or worry but then you don't know like what how does this predict this America what comes next and then also just being an open minded person who reads the news it's like how can you how can you follow this and care about the world and your fellow man without being completely like well it's sort of
0: like yeah exactly It's, it's like people's xenophobic fears of the 80s yeah giving power to China and Russia has now been realised by, you know, yeah. this this unqualified, <laughs> you know, bigoted buffoon. A
1: horrible bigot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird, isn't it?
1: It's... I, I mean, I remember saying on the day of the election, someone at work had just been like, I feel like if this happens, it's the craziest thing I've seen directly in the country. I mean, yeah. I mean I'm not seeing all manner of crazy... Stuff happens around the world, but and I just I almost still don't have a framework to appreciate, and that's been the weird
0: thing about 2016 is that you know, like, yes, you know, like all of this kind of over the top, um, sort of worry and grievance about people dying, uh, you know, pop culture figures dying is a little bit hard to take in, in, in a lot of cases. Like, I could, I mean. I was going to say I couldn't feel sad about Leonard Cohen. That's not true. It was sad. It's the passing of a really yeah. you know great guy. But he was he was eighty two and he was not well. You know, for me the great tragedy in pop culture this year has been the death of Prince because yeah. we didn't know, we did not know. I also you are the same. You got to see him in the states briefly. You know, like you got shortly before he died. You saw one of his absolute last shows. Yeah, I saw one of his last shows. Um, we didn't know what was going on then. But, so we're losing our heroes. Yeah. And we're losing our hope against evil, frankly, is how yeah. it feels, right? Like, so so that's, that's where it does seem comic book-like and surreal. Yeah. We are losing these people that helped us, uh, you know, helped us in our escape fantasy they helped create these imaginary worlds we got to live in like David Bowie songs you know
1: yeah I mean that's that's very true and very harrowing I, I think about
0: then, that and then like Brexit was a fucking absurd which you referenced and then this Trump thing seems it doesn't it doesn't seem real you know Yet. more like, absurd oh, I was going to yeah. say more absurd than Brexit maybe not like but you almost think like, well, was that the clue? Like, were we we supposed to, are we now supposed to, is that the whole, is that the whole product? Is that the whole way it's going to be going forward now is that we're actually just supposed to assume that the worst is going to happen because we've seen it happen a few times and that no one actually gives a shit. And this whole, the thing that kind of is creeping around underneath it all is that, you know, this 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 is a bit of a buzz term, but, like, the whole death of, you know, the whole death of intellectualism, the whole anti-intellectualism, the death of education, the... the death you know, of
1: journalism. The death yeah. of journalism. Yeah. The,
0: the, the idea, the reward is that, you know, I watched this YouTube clip earlier today of a, a woman in America yelling that she had been discriminated against by two black employees of a shop and that she was... Uh, entitled because she shot there all the time and then out of nowhere she yells, Yeah, yeah I, I voted Trump, so what? And I kind of watched that with horror, going, We're actually gonna see more of this. Yeah. We're not gonna see less of this. You know? And I, I I have a background, as you know, and you do too, of working in retail, and retail is horrific. Retail is horrific in New Zealand where we don't have very many Trump supporters. You know, retail is a ghastly thing. You see people at their absolute worst. We don't have quite the phenomenon like the the um, Cyber Monday and Black Friday stuff. We have a little bit of that, but we don't have quite what America's got. We have elements that creepy good. Yeah, I think here... Yeah. Even without that, retail could be fucking horrifying. Yeah. I survived quite a few Christmases <laughs> of retail, working even quite a few Christmas Eve's. You, you don't meet people at their best.
1: You don't meet people at their best in retail. I just think here, at least, people. My parents don't vote for the same party. Yeah, yeah. And that's not a big thing. Yeah. And. He, The fact that I don't know any Trump supporters means that when I come across a Trump supporter, they're going to be defensive and hostile towards me and Mm. I'm going to think they're Mm. probably a racist idiot. Yeah. That's just how it's going to... But it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. When whole halves of the population are treated as a monolith and governing becomes about winning and it becomes not about comes about those people losing. Mm. I think that's really negative. Well,
0: I was going to ask you, I was going to say, as as a big part of the problem, this sort of ridiculous, like, um, concept that we have now of what is left and right-wing and the idea that you can only choose between those two things, when in a lot of cases, like, you know, arguably you would have a government that would actually be that would need to be slightly right on some issues and very yeah. left on others and then very maybe very right on some things. You know, but Yeah. And then but then if you've got two parties and I'm thinking about New Zealand here too, not just America, if you've got two parties that are essentially centre which we've sort of almost got in New Zealand, although not really. Our our national government is a lot more right than most of its supporters (laughs) seem to think like they you know my dad always pulls out this line which I think means nothing which is uh, we're not as right wing as America take a look over there like their democrat party is probably more right wing than our national and I'm like uh, no no (laughs) even if it was the truth it doesn't mean anything like it's still it doesn't actually change what's what's happening here you know like
1: in New Zealand, you're lucky. We're lucky that the there's a social compact in place that we get healthcare and social welfare, and yeah. there's that safety net. People try and tinker with it, and that's unpopular. But yeah. more or less, people believe that stuff. And we're lucky that we don't have to go to war. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. The Demo- Obama is probably right to the right of John Key on drone strikes, but yeah. <laughs> because John Key doesn't order a lot of drone strikes. So, yeah, um, when I, I mean before Trump won, when people were talking to me about kind of um, mm. mixed, you know, uh, proportional government, and I would say, well, the downside of proportional government is if, if you had a Trump who had 40% of the population of, of the vote and came second, mm. he would have 40% of parliament <laughs> like mm. that, so you would have to. There's not so much of the silent minority anymore. Like, mm. That, which, which is great, that you have the Greens and mm. all different sorts of voices. But I think, I think the two-party system is is broken and bad, and has yeah. it's like created sports game politics yes. and yes. sports. And there's, I mean, you listen to you just tuned out and listened to like a CNN coverage of the election you could be watching you could be watching the super bowl yeah totally i
0: was going to yeah i was thinking that like it, it is exactly that a sports game mentality a sports game focus of we've got our team colors and that's a yep. we're and and it's creating an ideal too that we were born into this yep. so we will follow that we don't actually understand why yep. we just know that Mom and dad voted this way yep. so we
1: must totally and it's, and I know it's bad, and I can intellectually appreciate why it has a negative effect. At the same time, every person in Washington that I feel fundamentally cuts against my moral feeling of how government mm. should be run or should operate.
0: Like yeah, Mitch McConnell,
1: Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, <laughs> yeah, all all of these people, they are now. Going to be creating laws for three hundred million people.
0: They are the people in charge. Yeah. The the people writing the ticket. Yeah.
1: yeah, and that's. It's like a really power, <laughs> a powerless feeling.
0: Uh, yeah. People have said like Paul Ryan is effectively the guy that's going to be in charge. Yeah. You know he's been given the golden
1: opportunity out of all of this. Yeah, and so I think. It, all th- along through Trump has been like, well, he's going to run, but he's not going to win. He's going to win, but he's not going to think it's a hoax. But yeah. blah blah blah, he's in, but he's going to get impeached.
2: Yeah,
1: it's like, well,
0: that's know. what I'd say that he's going to get impeached. But I know, I know, the biggest part of me is just say that as a total hope. Yeah, it's not really, you know. I I, I believe there are grounds for it already. Of course, I do. yeah. Like I, but that doesn't mean it's it's going to get you know fuck he shouldn't have gone as far as he got so it doesn't mean it's gonna get picked up on overnight and dealt with does it
1: yeah and so I don't understand it I I feel like I couldn't I I feel like writing about being in America under Trump wouldn't be honest in Oakland because it's not
0: yeah it's not it's not where you live in that sense like you Um, so I was just gonna say like what do you do what do you do at the end of all of this like life in america for you is at the moment apart from a few heartbreak moments and a period that you're still in of like introspection and wondering what the fuck but essentially life goes on right like that is that is yeah yeah
1: and i think part of it is maybe the good thing that comes out of this is people realize what what does it mean to be a good and engaged citizen? And Mm. Maybe it goes a little bit beyond just I read the news and pay attention. Mm. Um, I think it's just working out how to be okay with it and how to feel like you're um, not complicit and you're... um, I have this conversation with Laura and my wife of like, She's like, well, I don't feel like we should just keep getting worked up about this because yeah, we can't do anything.
0: Yeah, it's not unpacking from yeah. it;
1: it's just fuel again. And then in my head, I'm like, well, you, we, you can't forget, like, because yeah. as soon as you forget
2: <laughs>
1: how bad this is, that when people get complacent, that's the end. So, I think it's just a lot of dinner party complaining. <laughs> <laughs> And yelling at the newspaper and yeah, um, um,
0: and one mighty big uh, PR job.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which you're in a sense correctly placed to assist with.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not entirely sure of the the glib humorous response. <laughs>
0: no well that's it it's like it's hard to be isn't it like you can put up that front for a while and then all of a sudden it's like
1: it's not funny it's yeah. actually not yeah it's, it's, it's like the worst it is the darkest possible timeline in America yeah the moment. yeah
0: I had this I had such a weird response to it like the night of the election I, I came home from you know all these good things that happened i I'd been out and about I'd met Robert Forster who's a hero I'd talked to him that was cool I'd gone and watched him perform you know I'd hung out with Oscar we'd had a great day Katie was away and so I was looking after him on my own you know and then he came back you know we came back we went to bed I sort of sat here and tuned into some of the news and then I was like what do we actually do with this like what is this you know and I remember listening to My first response was to put on the Drive-By Truckers album, which I think is one of the absolute best albums of the year. And I actually started having these weird, like, quite irrational, I guess, thoughts, where I was like, oh, the guys at the Drive-By Truckers are going to be so bummed out. Like, you know, (laughs) like I was trying to be really, you know, but I really meant her. Like, I was like, man, those guys, like, everything that's on that album, the way they have constructed that album, it's so powerful, and it's such a brilliant argument against Trump. And they're just going to be gutted. So I listened to that, and then I was like, and then I I, was, I started listening to listen to Williams. I hadn't heard her for a while, and and so I, you know, and I wrote this lot sort of long-winded poem about like how, you know, all we've got, essentially the tone of it was like all we've got are these things like that that we believe in. You know, like, you can listen to Lucinda Williams, you can listen to the Drive-By Truckers, you can... But at the end of the day, cunts are still running the world, you yeah. know, like... And that was... That's sort of what I wrote. And then, you know, and then I posted it. And then a bunch of people went, like, yeah, I haven't listen, listened to Lucinda She's really good. Actually, and someone said, you know, some of her stuff's not that good. And I was like, that's not really what yeah, this is you're about. Kind of, like, you've kind, of kind of missed the point. Like, she's fucking great, but also that's not really, you know... It's not really the yeah. point. So then that kind of got me down
1: and I was like, what do you fucking do about that? <laughs> I uh, got home, because I still had my bag for me at work, so I had my headphones on me. And I got home about two in the morning, far too drunk for a Tuesday night. And I, I had uh, bought cigarettes, which isn't my it's Supposed usual, to be your thing. Yeah, yeah. It isn't supposed to be my thing. And I put on Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. <laughs> Face down on the concrete outside my apartment, and smoked two cigarettes and listened to it twice, and just felt so sad. Yeah, God. but it was uh, but awesome at the same time because because yeah. it's Bruce. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh man. Um, so you you're not you're not coming home. You're staying there. Yeah. You're, you're gonna your job safe and your life's. Ultimately pretty good.
1: Yeah. Life's ultimately pretty good. You can't complain too much I, Well you give I, it a good go. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> not true.
0: You've given it a pretty good go. I have I have given a With good go. Some problems. Yeah, you've given it a good go.
1: I uh yeah, I'll get my citizenship ASAP in case things get really funky. <laughs> yeah. In the next couple of years so I can always come back if need yeah. be and go back and, yeah. and it's fine. I mean life's Great, I'm doing well. I mean, it's just yeah. it does yeah. feel
0: like. But you know, it's interesting just hearing you talk. Then it does feel like a fucking setback, right? And like I can imagine, yeah. like I can imagine it would for you living there. Like even though you live in a blue state, you live in a in a in a, in a, in a really cool city. That um, you know, with a with a hopefully a secure job, but it does feel like Trump yeah. being in charge of it all is a ludicrous setback it's
1: a gigantic asterisk that,
0: that yeah, that essentially we would like to think nobody wanted and, and New Zealand feels very it seems New Zealand feels very connected to this election and this argument around this election and we're going to just completely lose interest in our own election next year and just watch it get fucking smashed by the people who normally smash it and we're gonna do fucking nothing, you know? Yeah. And then and then, sort of this time next year, we'll have our own depression to deal with <laughs> for that completely different, like, insular New Zealand reason of just going, Well, we don't really think you know? Yeah. We don't really think it was that important at the time, it wasn't that big a deal.
1: I can I remember that from when Obama got elected and six weeks later John Key getting elected and it, it was like a felt like a tenth of a big deal John Key getting away yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so, yeah especially for you because you uh, you sort of had dual yeah political citizenship at that point right like you had yeah yeah yeah
1: but uh yeah uh, I, I mean it, like hope for the best plan for the worst knowing that you've been saying that for two years and the worst keeps mm, on, yeah. keeps keeps on happening so I'm not I'm not sure if, like, the uplifting takeaway <laughs> to put on the, the no, end I'm of trying
0: that. to work that out. I think I'm just going to press stop in a minute <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll, we'll play, like, you know, a mixture of Drive-By <laughs> Truckers and Bruce Springsteen and, <laughs> and maybe some Lucinda Williams for the people that think that her voice is, was the important part of what I was getting at. Like, and we'll just leave it at that.
1: Yeah, that's as good good a plan as any. We had a
2: hard dance for the yankin' and a lot of reasons, Grabby was good. Poor huddled masses singing boots up their asses, giving Grabby what he needed to pull. All the way back to where ghosts from the past were still fighting their wars from the grave. Complete with record burning, threatening, and spurning the crime of getting blood on the page. Since the big one ended We'd been mostly pretending We'd have had the same gumption and grit As the greatest among us When harm came upon us We wouldn't hesitate to defend But with or against Something's been out to get us And it looked like something finally did No no nobler cause in our lifetime For setting our sails to the wind once the band imagined it became the same old war it's always been. Once the band imagined it became the war it was when we were kids. Once the band imagined it became the same old war it's always been. Once the band imagined it became the war it was when we were kids. Have you ever been in cahoots With the notion that people could change When history happens again If you do or you did, you'll be blamed From baseless inquiry To no-knock entry Becoming the law of the land To half-cocked excuses for bullet abuse Regarding anything browner the band imagine it became the same old war it's always been Once the band imagine it became the war it was when we were kids Once the band imagine it became the same old war it's always been Once the band imagine it became the war it was when we were kids